0: Buckle up everyone, welcome to Carpool Rugby League, a show where three rugby league tragics talk everything rugby league on your way to or from work. I'm Graham.
1: I am the Chameleon.
0: I'm Magic Mike. Welcome aboard and on with the show. Yes, welcome aboard, everyone, to Carpool Rugby League. Now, usually I'd say it's Wednesday and you know what that means, but Wednesday was origin and as New South Welshmen, we're going to try and keep that talk to a minimum. But tonight, we've got a massive show. At the top of the show, uh, we we heard that obviously Graham's on board, Griffo's on board, Shane can't be with us, but um, well, we've got Magic Mike. There's someone very new. Uh, Mick, how you going, mate?
2: Yeah, g'day, fellas. I'm very well. Long-time listener, first-time caller. <laughs> oh, <Andy. laughs> Gotta love Andy. it. Happy to be uh, asked to come on the podcast. So keen to chat everything Rugby League.
1: It's an honour. We've got Rock Royalty here tonight, ladies and gentlemen. (laughs) Rock Royalty. We do have Rock
0: Royalty. Now, our our (coughs) listeners, now, when he said Magic Mike, he's not just calling himself Magic Mike because he doesn't have a shirt on. He's Magic Mike because, um, well, he's Magic on the mic and he'll be Magic on the mic here with us tonight. And look, Carpool Rugby League listeners. Those of you thinking, hang on, this is the first time I've heard this guy, this is new, you've actually heard this voice every week. Um, now Mick, you're, uh, you're the mastermind behind a lot of the music we hear on uh, on Carpool Rugby League. Uh, probably most notably our Busy Kingdom songs, such as uh, Broken Hearts. We used that as our intro previously and it's still our outro. But uh, probably the, the most famous and iconic piece of music we have on Carpool Rugby League is our intro. Uh, you're the brains behind that. Tell us a little bit about the, um, the intro that you put together for Carpool Rugby League. What was the inspiration? Because you're a fan of ours as well as a good friend.
2: Yeah, that's right, Gray. Um I came across you guys when you sort of started the podcast. And I've been living in Melbourne for about 11 years now. So sort of only got really back into following Rugby League, oh, I'd say about five or six years ago. And then um yeah, listening to the podcast and I thought I'd do a do up song for you and it, it kinda came out of being in lockdown, really. Um having a lot of spare time and my home studio here just knocked up the idea for the song and yeah, thought I'd shoot it through to you. And now, lo and behold, it's the the theme song of the show. So it's awesome. It's good to be it's good to have the music on uh, you know, on a podcast.
0: Yeah, no, we love it. We love having you um you know, contribute because we're really impressed with the the music you put together and it's really awesome to have someone that uh, you know that, that loves rugby league that we that we know personally. Um, you mentioned that you're a, a rugby league fan uh, that you are from Melbourne. You're originally from yep. um, New South Wales. <coughs> uh, so you, you, you are a New South Welshman, so please keep that in uh, in mind listeners when we're talking about origin a little bit later on. We do have three New South Welshmen. Uh, But I wanted to talk a little bit more about the music. As I said, we've got um, some Busy Kingdom music still to this day on uh, the Carpool Rugby League podcast, and we're actually uh, going to debut some new music from you uh, tonight, especially uh, looking forward to Griffo's Grab. Busy Kingdom, which we have heard on here, that was your previous uh, band. Um, Tell us a little bit, though, about your new project, because I know you've got something really exciting happening, and you've got a new single out, the... uh, the name of the group is Square Dance Caller. Tell us a little bit about Square Dance Caller and how that came about.
2: Yeah, so Busy Kingdom ended up, my brother Brendan and I had sort of done that band for about five five years or so. That ended up coming to an end and uh, I was always singing and playing guitar in that band. But my first instrument was drums. So I wanted to get back into playing drums in a band and Brendan and I had come up with a whole lot of uh, new ideas and new songs and we thought um, let's start a new band with a bit of a, a different sort of vibe not as straightforward rock yeah. something a bit a bit different so um, yeah in lockdown we sort of both wrote songs separately at our houses and we were able to email each other and then eventually when restrictions sort of eased we got to meet up and then have a jam together and flesh out the ideas and square dance caller was born so we named we, we got the name from our uh, our granddad actually he used to be an actual square dance caller nice him him and my uh, nan they used to do square dance square dancing with all their um retired friends so my pop was always the one standing there you know calling out all the moves that they used to do and we thought it'd be a good uh yeah good tribute to him to put that in um Put that into the band name. We got given his actual uh, old business card and it's, his name was Roy, so it said Roy Etherington. And then down the bottom, it was Square Dance Caller. So we always thought it'd be a good name for an album or a song or, and then we needed a new name for the band. So we thought Square Dance Caller.
0: Love it, that's awesome. And uh, I know Griffo, you were really, uh, really upset when you heard the Busy Kingdom uh, were no more because th- you, you've told us off air that's Broken hearts, which is our outro song. That's one of your favorite songs.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. So, and then, uh, you know, when we got the, <clears throat> the all new intro song, um, I, I did make a special request. I said, can I have that song as as the intro to Griffo's Grab? Um, and it became, became the, the new intro to Griffo's Grab.
0: Yeah. And uh, you've been enjoying it ever since. But remember tonight, we've got a new Griffo's Grab intro. I, courtesy I've heard of that.
1: Yeah, I've heard
0: that. so it's something to keep uh, keep it's an been eye out for. Very busy
1: down there in Melbourne. I'll well, tell you sure. We're the only people That's I know this
0: We're the only people that enjoy it when Melbourne go into lockdown. I know you hate it, but it means we get more music, so it's uh, it's, it's good for us up here. So we have got Square Dance caller. They're the new group. Um, the new single is Swimming Pool. Tell us a little bit about the track Swimming Pool. Um, it is the first single. Uh, it's out now. Let everyone know a bit about the song and uh, how that came about.
2: Yeah, so that one was an idea that um, Bren had come up with and uh, he obviously we couldn't be jamming and writing together. So he was uh, his way of getting drum beats was to get a drum loop. So he just set four bars of a loop and just loop that for a couple of minutes and then try to write the song around that. So he came up with the groove and then the idea. And uh, yeah, it was a bit of a darker sort of weirder sort of sound, I guess. And uh, that was one of the first songs that I heard and Brennan showed me, and then we sort of tweaked it. And when we re-recorded it, it was really, uh, it stood out for us. So we thought that should be the lead single. So we were lucky enough to be able to launch that and do our first proper gig down here back in May, um, just before lockdown. But uh, it was good, well-received, and it's been pitched to a couple of US college radios as well. Awesome. So we've had plays Um, we've got a report back. So there's been about, I think, 30 30 stations that have put it, that have at least played it on the college radio. So that's pretty exciting. But, uh, yeah, we've got our next single Electric Sleep coming out on the 23rd of July in about two weeks. And then the album comes out in September.
0: Awesome. Awesome. So to give everyone a bit of an indication now, Griffo, you're really excited about this because you want to hear a little bit of Square Dance Caller. Um, I'll, I'll play you guys just a little bit just to give you an idea of uh, what sort of music these guys are putting out. It's definitely something to keep an eye out for in this single uh, swimming pool. It's available now, but um, yeah, it's, uh, it's a great track. Just like a Well, we don't want to give it all away, but I'll tell you what, if um, if you like what you heard there, which all of us do, I, I, it's it's so catchy. It gets stuck in your head. Uh, you'll be walking around the house humming it and singing it. Um, where's the best place to find your music, Mick?
2: Uh, anywhere you can get online. Great, to be honest. Uh, main pl- place, I guess, would be Spotify, but it's I think it's available. Spotify, Amazon Music, iTunes, anywhere people download their music. We're there on all, all streaming platforms.
1: Lovely. We've also got...
2: Also got the Facebook and Instagram and the YouTube channel, so yep. <clears throat> yeah, so I Square think, Dance
0: yeah. Caller, get amongst it. Um, yeah, you can get that new single anywhere where you find good music, probably a lot of the platforms that we're on, so if you're on Spotify, Apple Music, all of that sort of stuff, make sure that you check out Square Dance Caller, um, and yeah, new single coming out the 23rd, and the album was on the 27th? Oh,
2: in, in September, September, September 17th. September, sorry. Yeah. September
0: 17, so a little bit a little bit to 17. wait for the album, but there's a couple of singles to keep you going. What do you think of Square Dance Caller, Griffo? I like it, Graham. I
1: thought I like you might. It. You know, um, like I'm a little bit old, well, not just a little bit older than you guys, but I'd be old enough to be your teachers. Uh, <laughs> 20, I <think> it's <coughs> maybe a 20, I was. Maybe I am in the past life, 20,
0: maybe. 20 years, I think it is, Griffo. <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah. Um, I, I'm just, you know, what makes me happy is that these guys are producing proper music, mm. not this crap that comes out that I can't stand. You know, like, I, like, you know, I, I don't like a lot of this, the, the modern day music. I mean, I, I'm sounding like an old fart, and probably I am, but I, I was brought up, you know, I grew up in in, in the eighties, the were probably my era, and that's when you know, Aussie rock was at its peak. Um, and it's good that there's some guys out there still producing new Aussie rock. There's not mm. enough of it. And, and, um, and well done to the boys much appreciated. And, uh, it's, you know, it's, uh, it's good to know. Mm. Um, and hopefully, you know, if it wasn't for the efforts of the, uh, of the gentlemen over in Wuhan, we we'll would be able to go and see these guys.
0: Now, I'll tell you what, the first Square Dance Caller concert in Sydney is going to be massive, Griffo. We'll
1: be huge. There. It's
0: going to be huge. And I'll tell you what, it's funny Griffo said it. Like, and uh, and look, our fans are probably <coughs> thinking that they're going to talk about the footy soon. Uh, this is We probably will. The, this is probably the most entertaining 10 minutes of the podcast we've ever had. Um, we haven't even talked the footy yet. But it's funny, Griff. I mentioned the um the influence of Australian rock, and you know, I think of bands like I mean, the most influential Australian rock band on you know my tastes and me as a musician. I know we play a lot of music together growing up, Mick. Is you know, NXS. Mm. But you know, bands like NXS, Icehouse, um, like these 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 are these are iconic Australian groups, and I just thought um. In addition to those, you know, I know people are going to say technically, you know, you're talking about New Zealanders here, but also to groups like Crowded House. Are these the types of bands also too that, you know, that influence you guys apart from, you know, what sort of influences did you guys take into Square Dance Caller?
2: Yeah, absolutely great. Um, we've always loved Aussie music and there's plenty of Australian bands that we've even been able to play with over the years and uh <clears throat> lucky enough to meet people you know we did gigs with bands like thirsty murk and
0: one of our did- fans griff yeah. I was just about to say we we went to the yeah, w- yeah. <laughs> that was a big night yeah. Griff and graham yeah. at the thirsty murk concert
1: <laughs> they they would be they would be my favorite australian band that regularly plays yeah they they're, they're, right they're phenomenal but, but
0: they're, yeah. that that's another thing too like you know like you said thirsty murk like more recently
2: yeah, Thirsty Merc, even, you know, we, we like bands like uh, Blur, Oasis, Gorillaz, yeah. Foo Fighters. Like we we both listen to a lot of eclectic stuff, everything from like obviously Beatles, Stone, Zeppelin, the band, Bob Dylan, but even through to other stuff like, you know, Massive Attack, Tool, Radiance Machine, a, a, a very various, um, you know, bit of everything the good thing about music is there's sort of a time and a place for all types of music but yeah. definitely an australian influence has come through we love bands like in excess and like you mentioned you know ice house and crowded house and uh, all the houses really but uh <laughs> it, it, melbourne melbourne it's mad had, house <laughs> yeah, yeah, Madhouse, yeah. um life house oh geez uh, the lighthouse stretch, family you're stretching it now <laughs> Yeah, no, nah, but we we love all sorts. And down in Melbourne, there's just such a, a great music culture, and it's always yeah. had that. Like that's where bands like, yep. you know, Nick Cave and you know, the Birthday Party, Crowded House, all these bands sort of cut their teeth down here. And even ACDC, the video clip a long way to the top. Yeah, shot on that shot on Swanson Street in Melbourne. Yeah, we're, on the, back, we're now on the back of the truck, but uh, yeah, no, we love Aussie, Aussie music as well. And my first concert we went to actually, just quickly before we get in the footy, but first concert ever was Grinspoon, at yeah. uh, at Evans Theatre in Penrith. Actually, I remember that, yeah, so that uh, definitely got the uh, you know, got the cogs turning and
1: made me want to get into music more. So, yeah, that was before. a good
0: one, that one, yeah, no, it's, it's you know, also awesome great. Bef-
1: before every big game. Yeah. Like a grand final or a thing that sort of thing. What happens? They have a band on. You yep. have music. It's the yep. prelude into the big game. Yep. Just like our music conversation is the prelude into tonight's podcast yes. of our pool rugby league.
0: And we got plenty of footy to talk about. And I know we gotta look Griffo, what you've done is you've just planted the seed there. Now, everyone's looking forward to the day when uh, Square (coughs) Dance Caller are going to play before the grand final and they have Graham Shano and Griffo as the go-go dancers on the side. But uh, we'll have to hold that off for a bit because we've got plenty of footy to talk about tonight. And um, look, we will talk about the the big maroon elephant in the room that is the state of origin. We did have uh, that big game last night. Uh, obviously, we did the preview the other day, Griffo. We were very excited about the origin. We were looking forward to it. And um, look, the, the Blues won the series. We'll talk about that. We know we've got listeners um, north of the border as well that are going to be very excited that Queensland got a win. Uh, just to give everyone a bit of a rundown of what happened in the game, the Maroons ran out 20-18 to 18 winners uh, on the Gold Coast. Uh, for the Blues, we saw tries to Mitchell, Whiten and Coruscant with Latrell Mitchell kicking three goals. Uh, the only goal he missed was that penalty goal right on the death that fell uh, just slightly short that could have possibly sent the game into golden point. Uh, the Maroons, their 20 points come through the hammer. Tavio Uh Ben Hunt scored a couple of tries and conversions to Holmes two to Terry Evans, and then another penalty goal to Holmes. Um, Griffo, I'll go to you, first of all. I know that you're, um, look, you're as blue as they get. I reckon if they cut you open, you'll bleed blue. Um, And that's after, you know, you take off your licorice all-sorts socks, uh, being a diehard Penrith fan. Uh, A lot of people this morning waking up uh, and reflecting on the game are talking about the halves. It was the big conversation going into the game that we had a new Haas pairing and effectively you're taking the best Haas in the game out. What's your assessment on the game, particularly in regards to the impact that the Haas, Jack White and Mitchell Moses had on the game?
1: Yeah, look, I don't want to lay the boot into those two guys. They've been criticised. I happen to be a part of uh, a facebook page that's sort of i think it's called panthers only or something and you expect that there was going to be criticism coming from people like that and there was a lot but i don't think i don't think they were quite as bad as uh, you know some of the criticism they've copped i looked at some of the uh, ratings given by various People after the game, and
0: I haven't seen the ratings yet.
1: Um, Moses was one of someone gave him a four out of ten. I thought that was extremely harsh. Look, I would have given him a six. I thought he was okay. Um, I thought his defense was very good, his kicking game was quite good, particularly in the second half. Um, it's been highlighted that he had zero runs for zero meters obviously that's a, a bit of an issue um, Jack whiten well but in fairness to Moses he did uh, he would have got a try assist for, for the last try that the blues scored um, he put that kick in that that Arpey did really well to to get and get over the line and um, keep New South Wales in with a the show there. Jack Whiten scored an individual try using his best asset, which is his running game close to the line. Um, he was solid in defense, but it gets back to chemistry. And, and, and the two guys, they had no chemistry whatsoever. Um, they've never played together. And And that showed Um, the well-oiled machine that was the New South Wales backline in Games 1 and 2. There was a problem with the system. Uh, I don't know whether they needed a filter or what they needed, but it just wasn't working at all. It was very clunky. Um, You've got two amazing centres who just were not getting clean ball. Mm. Um, and, you know, I don't know to what extent you can you can point the finger at, at the six and seven. Um, obviously, to some extent, because it's their job to control the game. Um, individually, I thought they played okay. Whiten's kicking game in the first half was poor, uh, where you know a couple of kicks resulted in seven tackle sets for the Maroons. Um, So that was certainly, certainly a problem. Um, It was just clunky. It it, it didn't, it didn't flow, Mm. and I mean, at the end of the day, we didn't win. Yeah, um, and whenever you don't win a game, there's always scapegoats. Whose fault is it? Yeah, yeah. Um, and that's the nature of 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 state of origin rugby league. That part of the aftermath is is pointing out, you know, the guys who who got the job done and how well they played and whatnot. And the other half of the conversation, and sometimes it's more than half the conversation, is why didn't this other team win? Who's responsible? I mean, that's that's the nature of the game. Um, they went down by two points. And if you look at it, they had an opportunity. Tommy Turbo made a break through the middle. He, uh, he came to the fullback and and Ponga has been lauded and rightly so for knocking the ball down that was on the way to a support player. But you know, on looking at that again, Tommy Turbo, if he don't pass the ball there, he's under the post. Yeah, he
0: should he's have twenty meters himself. to run, and yep.
1: and there's no one in front of him. Yep. Um, Ponga was committed. He wasn't going to be able to turn around and tackle him. He just mm. committed himself to the uh, the inside runner or you know as as he knocked the ball down. But if Tommy Turbo goes over there, I don't think we lose the game. We might. Yeah, but I don't think so.
0: And one of the one of the criticisms, Griffo, um, you know, just off the back of that, a lot of people this morning are saying that uh, I don't know if the halves realised they had these deadly outside backs outside them, they're in great <clears> form. I mean, one side we've got the trell, the other side we've got Turbo. There was a lot of time where they were turning the ball back on the inside rather than going outside. You know, it's very easy to say the next day. Um, I'll just ask you, uh, Mick, because you often, you know, watch the uh, well, the regular halves for New South Wales in Luai and Cleary quite mm. closely. Like, um, really effectively, what we've got to understand to be fair is we've taken the best halves combination in the league out of the side, haven't we?
2: Yeah. Well, that's it, great. I think. Uh... You know, looking at the week leading up, everybody was assuming that Cody Walker and Adam Reynolds would be the shoe-ins. Yeah. They they would just get plucked because you saw it in the games one and two of Origin that a a combination of halves that play club together just fits so well in Origin and especially having, you know, Isaiah there at lock. Yeah. That combination just seems to control the game a lot more Um, and definitely uh, players like Nathan Cleary have that sort of Cam Smith X-factor when. When he's on the field with you, it seems to just lift all the players. But uh, to touch on what Griffo said, I do think that um, Jack Whiten probably just lacked a little bit of depth. It seemed that he was a very, very – he probably should have been another metre or two out towards his outer players when he was sort of getting getting the ball, getting smothered, and then having to – kept turning the play back into the inside. Yeah. And like you mentioned, you know, utilise utilise the utilized utilise Adokar, you know, utilise To'o, who still, you know, had a great game, ate ate the meters, did his job. But, you know, you could see actively at the in sort of the last fifteen minutes, Tom Trobojevich was actively trying to get himself back into the game. Whereas games one and two, he was sort of just everywhere. He yeah. just he just knew that he could just float and be somewhere, but he just seemed to be lacking uh, opportunity last night. But uh Yeah, he had to go
0: looking for it a bit more, didn't he, rather than it coming to him?
2: Yeah, absolutely. And I think um, Queenslanders did do a good job of pressuring the kicks on both White and Moses. Like there was, I think, twice that Moses didn't realise, you know, he he tried to either pass it and he got smothered, dropped the ball, tried to get a kick away, he couldn't. I think it was just that awareness and maybe, um, yeah, that was perhaps something that he struggled with a little bit, but you've got to think as well, it's, you know, it's his debut game for the Blues you're coming out, you, right? The series won, but you're still playing for a clean sweep. But um, yeah, I don't know. There's always next year, but at least the series is won. But in terms of playing, I, you know, I honestly don't think Queensland played great. I thought New South Wales didn't play well. That's what, yeah. that's what sort of lost it for them.
0: And look, you, you can't really put it down to a bloke on debut because Mick, you're killing it, and it's probably worth letting the listeners know that we've. uh well, we've we, we we've got an old faithful guest uh, that's just uh, come on board, Trainer. How are you, mate?
3: Yeah, good guys. Sorry, I'm late. Here he, is. No, here he right is. is.
0: beautiful to see you, brother. <laughs> good to see you guys. Yeah, we're just
3: talking the origin, man with the Best head of hair in Melbourne has just turned <laughs> up. It's great. Yeah, speaking um, of the best head yeah, of hair, Grifo was I also chiming in I there too. I agree with everything Michael's just said. Um, I I honestly thought that um. You know, I sort of jumped in there and was listening. Yeah, it, it was frustrating. I think early ball was exactly what our centers needed. Of course, I've just turned up, so I don't want to rehash anything. But nah. um, my biggest problem is this, and and I'll say I'll say this. I'm gonna talk about Cleary and Louai for just a split second. They played Origin as Origin should be played. They didn't do anything as if it were, they were playing for Penrith. I thought last night, Whiten and Moses played as if they were playing for their club. And that was the...
0: Yeah, anyway, you might, might have talked about that. I don't know. Uh, we just, um, just sort of started. We were talking a bit about the halves. Obviously, you know, as yeah, we said, oh, they haven't played much together. Never. And, we, yeah, and that's the thing. They've never... Never. True. true. Never. They've never played together. And... I think the point we're all sort of making is the fact that you've got the best calves combination in the league taken out of a team. It, really, it's unrealistic to expect two blokes, as great as they could be individually for their own team, to come in and in one game uh, build build that combination. I agree,
3: Graham. And in the pl- clubs they play for, they are the people. So they orchestrate everything. They have to run to the line. They have to do everything. They had outside them the best the best people in rugby league and they didn't utilise them because they're not used to it. <laughs> yeah. Whereas when you look at uh, Cleary and Luai, they put themselves back in their box a little bit and said, let's throw to these people. Let's throw to these yeah. brilliant um, uh, sports people and that didn't happen. And I think that was the problem last night. They played as if they were playing for Para. They played as if they were playing for the Raiders, heaven forbid. And that's the result we got. I, I I've ruminated over this all day. And the thing that is that allowed? Out, what's that? <laughs> yeah. You're allowed to see well, you know, on a podcast. I've got cast, four, what you've got been four doing. <laughs> But the thing is where Luai and Cleary understood what was outside them, understood that either side was Mitchell, Trebojevic, uh, Addo Carr and To'o. They just ran themselves as if it were playing for Parra and, and, and the Raiders. In other words, let me do my thing. I'll run to the line. I'll do the things I need to do. Oh, sadly, it just didn't prove dividends. And, um, Early ball to Latrell Mitchell, early ball to Jovojevic, it was over. Like, you know, and, and, and they showed that. They showed that. Latrell Mitchell scored out of nothing. Jovojevic did what he needed to do. You've got To'o who can... Mate, that guy would run through a brick wall if it was in front of him. Yeah. And, yeah. and, and you've got car far out. Throw him in space. They yep. ju- I don't think they're used to having that on the peripheries. That was the problem. As a combination, I'm not going to talk about them as a combination. I'm just talking about them as players. As players, they could not get their head out of their clubs. In Origin, that's disaster. Cleary uh, and and Luai, regardless of what you think of them as players, got their head out of their club and got their head into Origin. That was
0: brilliant. Yeah. And, and look, to, to, to be fair, I, I suppose, Griffo the The Queensland side, um, look. One of the players we've been critical on this podcast of is Ben Hunt. We talked about how uh, he was on a, a hell of a deal last week. He's a he was number two on our list of top paid players. He got over for a couple of tries. Um, many would argue he was the best for the Maroons last night.
1: Yeah, I thought he was. I, I don't know who the man of the official man of the match was. Do, do you have any knowledge of that? I don't I thought, he, I thought he was the best on the ground, Ben Hunt.
3: Yeah, yeah. Um, and and what a sad day when you can say Ben Hunt outplayed your halves. Yeah. Yeah. Look, look at, I think. Uh, what? Yeah. We think- now to be fair, we put crap on him, left, right, and centre on this show, and all of a sudden he comes out and plays a blinder.
1: Yeah. I think he's been having a good year. Like, I don't think he's having a one point one million dollar year. <laughs> I think he's been the dragon's best and he's got his side, which he now captains, into the top eight, a team that yeah. that I certainly thought was going to come last this year. Um, so, you know, I was thinking about this today, of Ben Hunt, and no one's ever going to say Ben Hunt is a great player. But I think we can say that he's a very good player. Yeah. And I think there's, you know, He's shown that this year. Yeah.
3: Um, so one of my Punjabi uh, brothers, Jag Sander, um, Juggy, he's a Queenslander, and he said, regardless of who Ben Hunt plays for, he's an origin player. And you know what? He said it for a while
0: last night,
3: yeah. proved it. It's
0: a, it's a fair call. And look, someone who um, was trying to cement themselves as an origin player last night... Uh, he didn't get huge game time. Uh, Griffin and I talked about it. We we expected him to get about twenty minutes around the middle of the game. That was Appy Uh He's someone Mick that you've watched quite closely as well, week in week out. What do you think of his contribution?
2: Look, I thought he he got the point. He got the four pointer. He definitely contributed at the beginning of uh, when they announced that he was going to be the utility. I thought it was good for him. It was very well deserved that he was selected. Yeah. I did question the idea though of whether the Blues actually did need a second hooker because I think you guys mentioned it last week on the, or the last episode on the preview. It, he can sort of play as a bit of a, a floating sort of second lock forward, yep. or just just a general sort of floater. But he's not; he's kind of a specialist role. But he came in, I think just to get him blooded and to give him a bit of game time. He got the try, which was when that try happened, I thought it was just so surreal that he had the ball the whole time and just sort of turned around and fell over the line, you know, right place, right time. But um, yeah, look, he's a great player. And I think he's definitely, I think Cook's got a few years on him in terms of age. So Happy's probably about four years younger than Cook, I think. So, that reminded me of, I guess, another reason why Freddie Fitler probably did go with Mitchell Moses. He wants to get younger players in um, the safe option would have been going with Adam Reynolds, but I think Mitchell Moses has played fairly well this year. And I think he's, his kicking game that he brought, you know, would have been the, the reason that they wanted him to play with someone like Appy. He's a great ball deliverer. He's sort of, his defense is great, especially for Penrith. He's an absolute tackling machine. Um. But yeah, he played well. I thought um, it was just an unusual decision to have a second hooker on coming off as utility. I thought they might have had a like Payne Haas was the only prop that was coming off the bench.
0: Yeah, that's yeah. a good point. We didn't even really can, talk about that can much. I Obviously, add to that, Michael. Middle, sorry, but, Greg. Can I just add to yeah, that? Yeah, it's a good point.
3: Because because you talk about his tackling, I honestly thought they they did a bit of a disservice to when Murray come off. He was off for such a long time, and they're like, they just said, "Appy, you, you, you look after the middle." And for the most part, he did a fantastic job. Um, I, I look, I, I, I hail his praises way back when he won a premiership. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, I, I, think he's, he, he's, he's the goods, and he's always has been. He always has been. And um, yeah, I, I tell you something, guys. I don't know if you've touched on it. Um, Cameron Murray was off for a significant uh, period of time. In that time, when we look at Cameron Murray being off, the defence sort of fell to bits for New South Wales. There was no Mm. one covering on the inside. There was no one covering back and deep. Cameron Murray for South Sydney is an 80-minute player. Mm. Did he need to come
1: off? What do you reckon, Griff? Um. I thought he, well, I thought in this series he's cemented his position as the best defender in the game. Mm. Um, Whether, I mean, Shane, you say he's an 80-minute player for the Rabbitohs. Well, I, I I know he
3: gets taken off and it grinds my gears. He... It's what cracks me up is when South Sydney are down and the chips are down and craps it in the fan, he's an 80-minute player. Mm. They just pull him off because South are doing all right. Yeah.
1: Yeah, I think at origin to be able to to do what he does for 80 minutes might be asking too much. Um, And the nature of the bench, again, because they were down on on big guys. Um, maybe just, Freddie felt you need to rejig things a little bit, but um, you you don't need to, to convince me. I, I I thought he was, I thought he was fantastic. Um, He had a couple, it was a couple of mistakes in attack um, where he, in the series where he, Put some balls down or but yeah, that was a howler. Um, there was one howler. They
3: run by more,
1: but yeah. But uh, look, yeah, yeah he's true. You're right. He's 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 high quality. Mm. If you're if you're picking a you know a forward pack, best six forwards in in world rugby league, he's in there. Yeah. Mm. He's in it- there.
2: He definitely plays with intensity, and I think he brings that same intensity. Someone like Liam Martin does. Like, it's not just that he's tackling; it's that he'll he'll make a tackle, square up his marker, make another yeah. tackle, square up his marker, yeah. make another. He's just intimidating when he's playing. You know what?
3: I and you're right there, Mike. What I find is is the guy is rarely like when he when he's in defence, he'll be the first man in, put him on the ground, and he's back in the line, and he has that corridor just so that the dummy half can't scoot. So he he doesn't want to be marker. You, you're exactly right he, he's either second marker or he's back. He finds that corridor where it's like I'm going to defend the whole time. And you know what? you know why that's good because if you've got a, if you've got a forward pack, if you've got two props and and, and if you you're in there and the two props or a second row will help you out, they can have a breather in it, Marker, and he's back there making tackles. I, I, I You're 100% correct. Right. Guys, Dale Fanoucan, what'd you give him? Great. I,
0: I thought it was good. But he's, he's another player, too, while we're talking about defence. Like uh, before the show, I had a couple of notes I was going to bring up, obviously. Murray, um, Isaiah Yo. He's, if you want to talk about the middle and being able to, to To make sure the middle's held up, as AEO another person, he's just a defensive machine. I thought Fanukem was good. These are blokes hmm. that have ninety five, ninety six percent tackle, um, yeah, tackle yeah, that's efficiency. What I, I thought yeah. they're not missing I, tackles. I was, I was he's saying, not you know, out of place in this side. We sing his praises every I, week. You know, I like him. I think, um, I think it shows the quality in this New South Wales side that it took an injury for him to come in. I, I I remember when we were talking about our initial teams um we brought him up as a possible player to come in and that was prior to us seeing Tarek Sims lift for the origin arena guys
3: we're not we're not queenslanders we know that and, the, and our listeners know that uh can I give a shout out Big Tino is that fair yeah yeah I thought he was very good jeez what a football player he is he
0: he's, he's a great football player we've talked about him week in, week out on this podcast. And the other interesting thing is you look at the impact that he's made. He's made over 100 metres, and I don't think a lot of people would realise he played 44 minutes last night.
2: Mm. It was so, almost yeah. like he was doing chiropractic adjustments on other cars <laughs> as well out there.
0: Yeah. <laughs> Free healthcare. <Yeah.
3: laughs> Courtesy well, of this, the Gold Coast Health me, I won't tell you where he swapped his boober car.
2: <laughs> but you're right, Chan. I do think he deserves a shout out. He, yeah, yeah I he think in, in, yeah, in, so in this Queensland team, he's one of the guys that personifies the sort of intimidating figure that Queensland players can be. Yeah, I
1: you think know? he showed it last year. I I thought he was disappointed in the first two games. He was obviously very good last night, but um, like a lot of guys in Moron, we didn't see much of him in the first two games, but. Uh, last night certainly was very good. I thought P- P- Papaliti was good last night. Um, Fotowake. I thought all the Queenslanders actually played well. Um, Ponga was obviously very good. And um, he's one of those guys that when he's there, it lifts the other guys around them. They start, it's like a Tommy Turbo for Manly, almost that, you see that guy taking the field in the number one, and you lift. Um, yeah, I, I thought, you know, Monster had his obviously his best game of the series. BCE was pretty good. But um, yeah, Ben Hunt for mine was the best on the field, and probably Kaelin Ponga was second. I. Uh, huh? I think it's really yeah. interesting. We're talking about Queensland.
3: What Queensland did, we can talk about individuals and where Paul Green, I think, you know, it's rare you're going to give him a shout out um, in this series, but where he needs a shout out is he really started to engage the A&B defender on either side of the ruck. So he engaged the pillars and then second phase play, he, he picked them like a dirty nose. He, he sort of said, Look, if we can get in there, dart around, engage the pillar, which was out, which has been our defensive um brilliance, really, is that it not only is 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 the pillars our strength, but outside that and and run at the gap, offload early, get people like Tino through. I thought we can talk about the players, and I know Paul Green's copped a lot of flack, and, and maybe it's fair, maybe it's not. I don't know. Look. Now, don't go to a casino till one in the morning and you won't cop it, I suppose. But at the end of the day, he did tell these... He gave these players a game plan. And I think when you've got... When you've got a strike power out the back, all like like Ponga, all of a sudden, when you're that A and B defender, you're in second minds all the time. Because if he gets the next ball, he's through. and And you're... Checking your peripherals and you're seeing more. I thought what he did with Ponger in the side was very good. It shows something, and as a New South Wales fan, this I, I hate to say this, it shows that had he played the other two games, it would have been far closer than it was if that game plan was employed. They hadn't employed that game plan before, so I don't know if that's what it would have done, but they've engaged the A and B defenders. They were able to run out of the ruck. Their second phase play, they had sweepers coming round the back, ready to catch the ball. Dane Gagall was brilliant with that. He attracted two defenders twice where where I think Ponga ran through once and I forget who ran through the second time. Queensland last night attracted defence. They attracted attention and they did it so well. And that's something I think moving forward Next series, if Queensland are a fit side, that's what New South Wales have to fix in defence.
0: Yeah. And, and and just before we move on, um, we're, we're going to start talking some NRL because we've got uh, the back end of the season coming up and there's plenty to get excited about. Um, just want to get opinions from each of you on the Wally Lewis medal. Griffo and I talked about it going into the game. Um, I'll be honest with you. You know, now, I mean, look... I, it's not that he's undeserving, but Griffo, when they said Tom Trubojevic's name as the man of the series, I was actually surprised. I, um, I thought it might have been one of the blokes we mentioned on the podcast last week, maybe a Luttrell or Teddy. Um, what were your thoughts on the player of the series going to Turbo?
1: Yeah, I was a little bit surprised too. I thought it would have been Luttrell, but um, I, I'm not, you know, it's not one of these howler decisions. I mean, Turbo yeah. was outstanding.
0: I don't think anyone's going to have a problem with it.
1: No, look, he was outstanding. Um, if he hangs onto that ball and scores under the pulse...
0: geez, mate, I he'll be... <laughs> make him the Premier. He'll be giving the COVID yeah. update tomorrow.
1: Yeah, <laughs> I, I, I certainly would have... Uh, I certainly would have had him as the uh, as the medal winner. But, yeah. um, look, I, I, I don't want to criticise Tommy Turbo. Um, he deserves it. I was a little bit surprised. I thought maybe Luttrell, uh, particularly in the first half, was was very good. He did make a couple of mistakes, Latrell in the second half. Um, one was uh, dropping the ball in, in, in the Queensland 20, and then he ran, rushed up on Ponga um, and missed him, which ultimately led to um, the Queensland try. I think it might have been Ben Hunt's second try. Um, a bit of controversy, too, because um, it did appear that he knocked on Caelan Ponga um, further upfield. Um, I can't exactly remember, but ball sort of came back to him. He seemed to knock it forward. Uh, it was called play on. And I know Freddie um, mentioned that post-game that he thought there was a knock on there is probably right to, to, to be honest. But um yeah, I thought Luttrell uh, probably.
0: Mm.
1: Um, Teddy got some high numbers in, uh, in the player ratings last night. I, I didn't quite think that he played quite as well as um, look, I, he had a good game, but I, I just didn't think he would rate it as highly as, as as what other... But they, again, these are all very much um, subjective. I can't argue with Tommy Turr, but I'd be interested to know who who uh, who gets the Brad Fittler medal as the best player for New South Wales. There'd be a different, different set of people voting on that, whether they... They too, see uh, that Tommy Turbo was was the best player of the series, but I can't really argue. I just was a little bit surprised.
0: Yeah, and and, and given the fact that um, you know obviously he's been influential throughout the series, are you are you comfortable with that, Mick? With Turbo getting the medal?
2: Yeah, I think if Latrell had a, nailed that kick, that penalty kick at the end. True. That might have that might have changed things. But, but I yeah. thought
1: it was going over. You know, they, they had it. I it was there too, yeah. <laughs> it was online, and uh, I, I don't. Why even... go for a
3: penalty after a guy has run five k's in the in that that that's silly. That just goes. Yeah, they spent eighty so. minutes no, no, and no, they couldn't no. get you over don't line. Don't them in that regard. You never do. Do you know no what? it was? Does. Do you know what? He frustrates has ran me?
1: how far? Do
0: you know what frustrates me about that? It was the oh. fact that New South Wales had said, our playmakers have been trying to put something on our game and we're struggling to score points. We need to go for the kick. The
3: guys run a million meters. You don't then just say, let's get his let's let his legs do that. Sorry, going I interrupted you.
2: That's right. I was disappointed at that camera <laughs> angle I was disappointed at that camera angle that they showed Lachel kicking.
1: I thought he kicked it. Looked <laughs> like it was over. Uh, yeah. but, but apparently but, he 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 stood up and said, "I'll kick it." So
2: well, Brad Pittler said in the post game conference too. He said it's not the distance with Letchell. It's like kicking fifty meters isn't a problem for him.
1: Yeah. But at the time, I was quite happy. Um, hmm. What I didn't understand was why was he kicking from there? Why was he not kicking from where the guy picked up the ball?
0: Because it was a um, this is I looked into this. Because I knew people would say, "Why is it not where the ball landed?" Apparently, there's a loophole. It's a very uh, finicky rule. Someone will get a hold of us on social media and tell me I'm wrong. But from what I've read, usually if it's an infringement, say for example like a late hit, um, you get the the penalty from where the ball was, um, where the ball landed. But I think, and correct me if I'm wrong, fellas, from what I've been told it was a it was a high shot in in the act of the kick so That's basically exactly right, because Brian. it's a high shot it's a high tackle. It's at
3: the point it's the point at where the tackle was made. Yeah, so anytime there's a high tackle
0: the penalty has to be given where the tackle was It's what they made. call a
3: tackling point tackle, a yeah. tackling point penalty, at yeah, a tackling point penalty it's where the point of the tackle was made rather yeah. than where the
1: ball landed. And like look, I the tackle was yeah. made 10 meters inside New South Wales territory.
0: Uh the
1: uh, I'm not arguing. Yeah. I, I just—I I was questioning I, that at the time. I thought, why? Why is he not further upfield? It's a player point penalty,
3: and yeah, yeah it's, it's at the point where the player was, not the ball point penalty.
0: I'll tell you what—we're going to move um, on, but just just quickly, fellas, it has to be mentioned. I think the game was refereed a lot differently last night. There's a lot more six again calls.
3: Uh, can you indicate why the referee wanted to be the freaking center of attention?
0: Yeah, yeah, it he, was horrible.
3: Yeah, it i tell you now, please do not make the grand final that. Oh,
0: uh, yeah, you know what I mean?
3: Like, like, I know, I know it was a people talk about dead rubbers and whatever. If that was a preview into what we want for the finals, I don't want that.
2: Yeah, we please did, change that, even with the amount of <inaudible> six against that were called, obviously. It seems that their six against are getting called. In- Tackle, whereas the yep. loser gets three starts in the first or the second tackle. Yeah, and watching the game, I was struggling to understand what these intentions were because the yep. game was sort of rolling so quickly. Next minute, Queensland get a six again, and it was just very confusing. Like you'd
1: see him do the signal, or he make the call, but yeah, I found it a bit confusing.
0: Yeah, well, I, I found I don't Michael. Know if I, was, I agree. Was like, that sorry, tactic, great. Rick and Shano from Queensland to lie all over him early on? Definitely. No,
3: but definitely it was. But I agree with Michael there. It sounded like. It sounded like there was a guy that was five players outside of the ruck that might have been a pupteenth in front of the ref that was given the six again. I just didn't get it. <clears throat> there was one six again call, I'll tell you now, which I totally objected to. And I've gone back and I've seen it three times today. It was a guy, and I've, It was a guy on the left of the referee and the ball went to the right and he called six again. He was the only person offside, and I'm like...
0: Yeah, just let him play. Let the players let decide the game. Like, anyway, look... Is, you know what? I, I six don't...
3: again, this is all going to come under scrutiny at the end of the year. The six again rule is a brilliant rule when used properly. Last night, it was not used properly. No. It, and, was, it was horrendous.
0: And, and look, to be honest with you, look, we don't want to sound like you know, four blokes from New South Wales that are salty about the game. Queensland. we are. We are, mate. I'm bloody livid. But anyway, look, Queensland. Look, Queensland were the better team last night. They won the game. We won the series. We got the shield. That's the main thing. So, uh, look, Look, that's that's Origin for for a year.
3: When you do so many things right, you throw caution to the wind. You can do a couple of things wrong. They'll learn. I'd rather look. I'd rather. I'd rather win I'd rather lose this game to win future series than have than have won last night and then thought that that, that they were invincible. Freddie Fitler's learned a really valuable lesson. That is work to the strengths. Now, for all the grass on the feet, you've got to be able to work to your strengths. You've got to be able to let the player, you've got to be able to let the players Understand that there's a brief. Last night the halves didn't have a brief. Go back to
1: the brief. I think. I think what last night showed. Um, in comparison to games one and two. Is that Nathan Cleary? Um, his influence is. Is crucial
3: um, I think I think Nathan Cleary And Luai oh, uh, yeah, I agree I think they're a package deal
1: They are In terms of the attack Absolutely But I just think Nathan Cleary's Game awareness And the fact that He knows where the ball Needs to go Particularly with the kick You wouldn't Not, not over the dead ball line No He, he doesn't do that um, Yeah That white man is bad And I think and, and you know we're, we're heading to the NRL shortly, but I think Penrith, Um I think they're they're going to find it difficult without their two main men. Hmm. Um, yeah.
3: Can I say something highly controversial?
0: You're going to so do it.
3: Paul Green's a good coach. He showed it last night. He out coached New South Wales. He out the way yeah, but, they yeah. played and the and the systems put. Yeah, but you know what? You can only yeah. play what's in front of you. And this is the cream of the crop from both camps. He's a good coach. He he, That was a coach's win last night. And for all the rubbish we've thrown at him over the last couple of weeks, I think it's only fair we we give him some kudos because... I think he saved his job. It, yeah. It, it, yeah, he, he certainly did. Lose that game. And you know what? That that The way they played second-phase play... And the way they drew a defence, if they'd done that in the first two games, it wouldn't be the blowouts that we had. I think, yeah. I, 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 I took, look, last night I walked into that game thinking that New South Wales was going to walk all over him. That was a well-coached uh, side that that the Queensland team pulled out. We've put crap on him for two weeks, for two games. He deserves the kudos for the one they won. That was a coach's win, and he deserves everything that uh, that they've got from that.
0: And I'll tell you what the uh, the listeners they deserve a bit of NRL talk because realistically, guys, we're only eight rounds uh, out from the finals. You're joking? Uh, but no, it's just a fair dinkum, mate. We don't we don't joke around on this podcast. Um, so what what we're going to do is we're going to shift and we're going to talk about the NRL. We've talked heaps about Origin. Uh, congratulations to Queensland last night. Congratulations to the Blues on a great series win. Um, I'm just going to quickly, for you guys, recap where we're up to in the NRL. Uh, I'll go over the scores from round 17. Now, it was a condensed round, given that Origin, uh, did happen this past week. It seems like a lifetime ago, some of these games, so I'll remind all the listeners of what we, uh, what we saw, uh, in round 17. Uh, we've got to go back to the 8th of July, which, uh which was a Thursday night in which the Raiders were able to get over the Seagulls 30 points to 16 at Brookvale. That was the one that buggered up everyone's tips. Uh, On the Friday night in round 17, we saw South 46 to 18 winners over the Cowboys. The Roosters were able to get the job done 22-16 over the Dogs, and the Sharks uh, were back in the winner's circle 20 points to 12 over the Warriors. So before we uh, in-depth preview round 18, guys, I'll just go through the ladder so that everyone's aware of where their team sits uh, to give a bit of context to the preview that we're about to do. Uh, The Storm, they are in position number one on for and against only Uh, They're on 30 points, as too are the Panthers. The Rabbitohs hold third place, two points behind them on 28. Another two points back are the Eels on 26. Uh, The Sydney Roosters are on 22 points, with the Seagulls in sixth on 20 points. The Dragons are seventh on 18 points. Uh, The Sharks are in the top eight on four and against only on 16 points. They're holding the, the Knights in ninth spot. In 10th, 11th, and 12th, respectively, on 14 points, we have the Titans, Raiders, and Cowboys. The Warriors are down in 13th on 12 points. The Tigers are also on 12 points in 14th spot. The Broncos have climbed their way to 10 points in 15th position. And in last position on 6 points, with only the two wins for the season, are the Canterbury Bulldogs. So, really, guys, out of that... uh, Last round of footy, we had some. Um, well, because we only had four games, there's there's not heaps of heaps of talking points. I think the main talking point, though, just briefly, would be the uh, the Raiders getting back to the winners' circle, albeit against a manly seagulls side, Shano, that were missing their origin players.
3: Oh, <laughs> mate, the horn was sounding big. It was it was just like. When I talk about the Viking... Yes. yes, in Because we've been saying for weeks, we've been saying for weeks that the Raiders have the clap. <laughs> yes. Because that's why they're playing so bad. But anyway, um, look... Ragnar was a bit under the weather. My biggest, my biggest situation with the Raiders is at the moment, they're minus 104. The Warriors are minus 71. The Titans minus uh, 56. The only one they're really... Got any chance of catching is the Cowboys? They've got a lot of uh, teams to leapfrog before they even think about getting ahead. For the for the Raiders, though, it's about winning games. Um, I still think they're a side that's imploding. I still think that they're not going to finish in the eight. Now, it's going to take a massive run home. Um, I just look at the Raiders. It's not that the Raiders don't have certain players. They do. But the problem is they've got no depth in their reserves. They've got no depth outside of that. They're a struggling team. Uh, Sticky's trying to do everything he can as a coach. Uh, Latest intel says that the Raiders board are not happy with his answers. They've basically said to him, you've got to provide us with better situations than this or you're out. So there's a lot of infighting there. Once there's infighting in a club, it never roads well. They won a game. The only reason, in my opinion, that the Raiders won is every loss is closer to your nearest win, and they got one.
0: Yeah. No, but there's there's plenty happening. And look, they were a team that we had a lot of uh, expectations um, surrounding going into the season. They haven't really... Who had
3: them in their top four?
0: Uh, no, I had him fifth.
3: fifth. Yeah, I think
2: I had him fifth as
0: well.
3: Most of us had him Michael. why do you have him? Do you have him in your top eight, definitely? Or
2: I did at the start of the year, yeah. I had him in the bottom half of the eight. Yeah.
3: A fall from grace,
2: yeah. yeah. I, I think there's just they've been not only just losing the games, but all the extra head noise that's been going on. Yeah. In Gabriel, like George Saga. The bloody the wife of Jordan Rapana getting Rapana getting on the getting on the Twitter feed I think and blasting Ricky Stewart. There's Ricky Stewart's never any excuses for why they lose games. He always <laughs> seems to have have some excuses as to why they're losing other than just poor performance. But uh, Crack Coach isn't one of them.
3: No, but you know well, when, when when people win games they say, "Oh, if only you could bottle that." At the moment, if you bottled what the Raiders had. It would be toxic. It it it'd be paint stripper at its best. It would just, you know, it it would be nuclear
2: waste. It would be whatever the bulldogs are drinking at halftime. <laughs> if, if if you look at if you look at the raiders draw, like the next three games from, they got the sharks, the eels, and then the knights. I don't see them beating any of those nah, teams. Nah, they're and struggling. I did actually mm. tip them against Manly. I did tip them only for the fact that the Eagles were missing Cherry Evans and Turbo. Yeah. Uh, but I didn't think much of it, and I was very surprised when they actually did win, but I don't see them winning many other games coming up approaching yeah. the finals.
0: There's not much there to grab your eye, is there? <clears throat> and, and look, we when we're talking about grabbing people's eyes, could, the main could thing also, that comes to mind is grab. And Shana's going to sneak in.
3: No, no, I'm just going to sneak in because with the Raiders, there's a lot of players off contract, and there's there a are. lot of players asking for hmm. releases. This team next year, like the way this team looks even towards the back end, could be so different. Like yep. The They're
2: not mail even the contracts.
3: Is the mail I'm hearing is that the Raiders are in all sorts. Sorry, Griff, I didn't mean to butt in there. Okay.
0: Oh, we've got to make a big deal out of it because we've actually we're debuting a new uh, intro for Griffo's Grab and yes. well, we've got our special guest here, um you know we don't want to embarrass him but it's an absolute belter so we might as well head over to see what griffo's got for griffo's grab isn't that well, special that's good gotta love it? that that is
1: so good what have you got for a hey, think... griffo uh, walker no hang on is that right no i'm not Dylan walker i got the wrong walker <laughs> Cody Walker. Cody. All oh, right. Cody Walker. Johnny hey, do Walker. To, do
0: you want to do the gaff this week, Dan? Say Johnny. <laughs>
1: Walker's on. Johnny Walker. Walker's, Walker's on. on.
0: Walker's <laughs> on. Sam Walker.
1: Oh, yeah. oh uh, my apologies. My apologies. I, I got excited the about the, the new intro. you will be leaving the, the Carpool
0: car. Studios with his Walker. Yeah,
1: yeah you look, look. Uh, no. Cody Walker. Let's get the right Walker. He was superb um, last week. Uh, I think it was four try assists. Um, he was just ooh, some, some joy the oh, Cody Walker. Yeah.
3: There you uh, go, Mr. and Mrs. Walker and all the clan.
1: Yeah, look, that was a game where, um, was again it was men and boys in that first half. Cody Walker just mesmerized uh, the opposition. Muriel. Terrible yeah. thing that they are. Um, and he, he he grabbed my eye. Um, masterclass from him. You know, uh, hindsight is a is an interesting thing, but had had Freddie gone with, uh, with Reynolds and Walker, you know, we'll never know whether new South Wales would have got the job done last night, but, um, yeah, uh, had Freddie have done that. Maybe Souths don't win last week. Who, who knows? Um, but what we do know is that Cody Walker was, uh, with several classes above the West Tigers um, with a, an amazing performance just setting up tries at will. Grabbed my A last week and uh, well done, Cody Walker.
0: Yes, yeah, So I'll tell you what, Griffo, we're, we're going to go from one Walker to another Walker because um, well, it's, it's actually time for Graham's Gaff. Alright, so we're going from uh, one Walker that was absolutely phenomenal on the field to another Walker who, in in in, in all um, fairness, has been phenomenal for the Roosters this week. And it would be remiss of me not to bring up uh, young Sam Walker and uh, the last 10 seconds of the Roosters game the other night. And I've been dying to get on the podcast to see what you guys think because I know opinions have been divided across the rugby league world. Um, even within the Roosters' box at the end of the game. When Walker got the ball with about 10 seconds to go and decided to start running towards his own goal line, uh, Luke Keary thought it was good for a laugh. Um, Trent Robinson almost had a heart attack and uh, Boyd Cordner couldn't believe himself. Um, I I could almost introduce a new uh, segment here, fellas. It could be a gaff or grab. I want to get you guys to to give me an, an indication of what you think. Was it a gaff? Was it a grab? For me, it was a gaff. As I don't want to see it. If look, if he played for my team, I don't want to see him running backwards. He slips over. He drops the ball. Someone hits him, Whatever. Um, there's too many variables that could go wrong. And I also heard a, a commentator say during the week that um, you know they've also got to take into account that. The game clock on the scoreboard at the ground isn't always 100% synced, so you'd hate to go for a run backwards and run over the sideline with 10 seconds to go, and there's actually, you know, five seconds to go. Um, I'll throw to you guys. I'll, I'll give Shano a chat first. Grab a gaff? <laughs> what do you reckon? <laughs> Sam Walker running backwards 80 metres to, to end the game.
3: Uh, I just looked at the coaching staff, and they were very unimpressed. that It was a gaff. Like, yeah. you know what? You don't do that. You, you go to the line, fall down, waste the clock. If if there was some young spud who thought, yep, I can get this and ran after him and knocked his block off and happened to just score a try. I, it, I, I, I remember trying to think of the club where it was. I think it was the Warriors in one of their first ever wins did this. I, I want to say the Warriors. I could be wrong.
0: We were and, talking and, about and, it earlier, Tony Oro for the Rams. Yeah, did. Tony Oro, where he just yeah, ran back Rams, and zigzagged yeah.
3: and all of a sudden, yeah. the Warriors had their first ever win. This is different. You know what? You're playing the dogs. You're running backwards to to try and alleviate any stress against the cellar dwellers. And I reckon that's why the coaching staff were livid. They were not happy. Um, All accounts in the back room were that um, Robinson was not impressed. Uh, During the week, he's actually been pulled in to explain his um, actions. He said, look, I took the safest route option and uh, that was to run backwards. Uh, He has been told why that was not. If they were playing a half-decent side where four, five or six defenders had run after him, he was in all sorts because what you forget is in the last five minutes of a game, if there's a stoppage in play, the time is stopped. If someone had seriously chased him down, he was in all sorts. I, I, I know what he was trying to do and I get, it. I do get it because I suppose if I was the roosters, I'd the problem is it's not the right play. There was too much time on the clock if there was three seconds left, yeah, sure. If there was a chunk of time left. I I just think run to the line, fall down, play the ball, it's over. Why like you've got are you saying you've got no confidence in what you're doing?
0: Yeah. You
3: know, like Is
0: it fair to say, look, is it fair to say I, Mickey you won't do it again?
3: I there's there's a part of me that says We're reminded that he's Chris Walker's nephew. Is that too harsh? Oh, a bit harsh there.
0: But no, I was going to say, Mick. Was it? No, well.
3: He was the bloody rooster's saviour for years and didn't show up.
0: He didn't show up for South. He played three games and then left. Anyway. A couple
3: of grand finals. I just just thought it was crap. anyway, I wouldn't have liked it if it
2: was my club. Mick, not a good look. Big time gaff. Big time gaffe, throw the ball around, have another crack at a try. You know, like you've got all this skill, there's still enough time to get a try. So why not just, you know, experiment a bit?
0: Doesn't show much confidence in the rest of their team, does it?
2: It was just disappointing. You're sort of watching it. The commentators were blown away. They're just like, what is going on? And you sort of think, like, is this, it's just not a good look for a club. Like, if it was the Bulldogs doing that and they'd won, you'd think, all right, they're trying to hold on to this victory to save their. You know, save the game. But when it's a club like the Roosters that hold themselves in such prestige and esteem, it's not a good look for them when you 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 know, your new recruit that's having a fairly good year is doing something silly like that. But like Shane said, I get what he was doing. I just see that's gaff. Gaff for me, big time.
0: Griffo, bit of immaturity, you reckon?
1: I didn't like it. Um I wanted uh, you know, we, we have this competition within our tipping comp called the Joker and the Thief where mm-hmm. you nominate a team and whatever score they get, um, you get that score for the week. So I'd nominated the Roosters and I got plus six because I only won by six. I thought they were a little bit disappointing, the Roosters. Uh, they led 10-0, I thought, you know, here we go, um, they're going to get a, a big score. But it didn't work out that way. Go on to see them attacking that line. I would have liked to have seen him try to put a kick in um, so that they could, uh, you know, potentially score another try or at worst get, uh, you know, get the ball back if there was time. And I don't think there would have been uh, time for a dropout, but I thought it was yes, it was a bad look, but as Shane alluded to, what I was concerned was that Lachlan Lewis, who was the only bulldog that chased, I thought, gee, if he gets him, he's just gonna grab the ball off him and fall over the line. Yeah. So I just thought I thought it was was not a smart play. I understand why he did it, but I just I didn't think it was a good option. Um yeah. Uh they were right down on the Bulldogs line. They may have had may have had to defend one tackle. Um and I think the Roosters would have had the Bulldogs well and truly covered. I thought it was more risky than taking a tackle um ninety nine meters out from your own try line. Um, Shane mentioned if there had been five or six, well, you know, there should have been. And, and maybe coach Trent Barrett might have added word to his team, say, well, look, why weren't you chasing this guy? You know, Lucky Lewis was the only guy on the field who 100%. chased him.
3: Can I throw something else? And maybe to you, Graham? Um, you're asking a question, I'll throw you a question. Would a Roosters side last year Year before, year before, year before, would any player have done that? No,
0: nah, and that, thats what with Trent Robinson. That's the point. Boyd that's Cordner, the point. There. That's that—that that was Boyd Cordner looking at going. You could see the look on his face was, "This isn't who we are." And the Roosters that he had led and the Roosters team that he uh, was a part of—that was this absolute juggernaut. They weren't up for that shenanigans. They weren't. They didn't buy into that crap. They played the game they had a vision of how they played it was very unrooster like and i think that's what really um it, that, that, that that that's what's going to grind their gears looking at that yeah <laughs> but look that's that's all in the past we've got plenty to look forward to fellas we've got a massive round of footy ahead of us we are going to head into um round 18 can you believe it already round 18. So uh, it's worth uh, having a look at the games coming up this week. Alright, there's the whistle and kickoff for the round this week. We have round 18 of the NRL. Now, obviously, as we mentioned earlier, we're recording this on a Thursday. We're a day later, but so are the NRL. They're starting on a Friday this week. The first game to take place is going to happen on the Gold Coast. Now, we haven't mentioned this yet, fellas, but um, look, just about every game this week is going to happen in Queensland. Due to the COVID situation in New South Wales, the New South Wales teams have relocated. This was going to be a home game anyway, though, up on the Gold Coast for the Titans. They're going to be hosting the Eels on Friday at 6pm. In regards to team news, um, look, there's not a lot to talk about in regards to the Titans. They're taking the same 17 in that they took in round 16 prior to their last, uh, their by-last round. Um... The club is telling us that Fodawaka, Big Tino and AJ Brimson should be good to back up. Um, The other interesting thing to note, I know a lot of people will be aware that we talked about Fafita being suspended for one game. He served that one game suspension on Wednesday night, so he's ready to go uh, for the Eels game. Uh, the Eels are coming off the bye. And massive news for the Eels is that Reid Marnie is back from his shoulder injury. Um, so that's huge news. Massive in for them. Uh, the That's only... so cool. That's I massive... love
3: Reid Marnie. I reckon yeah. he is an underrated footballer.
0: Yeah, he's, he's a big part of this team. We've seen the Eels haven't quite been the same since he hasn't been there. Uh, the only uh, news we've got in regards to their team is that Junior Paulo looks to be rested after playing for the Blues last night. Um, Para fans will remember that Isaiah Papali'i, a player that Griffo and I talked about, in great form, he should be good to go. He copped a head knock against the Panthers in their last game, but they're very uh, confident that that's going to uh, be all good to play this week. And for those of you just keeping up with the uh, squads, um, as we go to air, they have just... Uh, Trim the squads, Hipgrave and Lassik are the ones to drop off. Um, We might go to our guest. We'll be very polite in this one. We'll go to Michael first. Um, Mick, we've got the Titans at home here. We've talked about the Titans a lot on this podcast. They were a team that we're really excited about as possibly being a top eight team. Uh, They haven't quite lived up to our expectations. And you've got the Eels there hanging in the top four. Uh, what what are your thoughts on um, on these two teams going into this game on Friday night?
2: I think when both teams are in form and playing well, they're they're two very exciting teams to watch. I think especially the Titans, some of the spark that they have up the middle, out wide, they're very. They when they're on, they're on, and they're really great to watch. They score, you know. They go out wide, they go up the middle, they kick. They're very, uh, they're good ball handlers and especially someone like Fafida when he runs hard. He's just such an explosive player. Saying that, I do think Reid Marnie is such a big in for Parramatta. Um, I think they'd be well rested after a break last week and, you know, Reid Marnie back, I think. Um, I believe... Para are going to have them at this one. Yep. I think they'll be well-rested. They'll be looking to sort of maintain their position. I think against Penrith, Parramatta still looked very good. They should have won that game. They, uh, I, I was concerned that whole game because I thought Penrith um, didn't play as good as Parramatta. Unfortunately, they didn't lose. They didn't win it because of that kick from Mitchell Moses. But Parramatta just... They are playing a lot more consistently than last year, I think. However... Um, Coming into finals would be the ultimate test for the Eels. They'll definitely make their way into the eight and they'll stay there. But games like this will be a test for them because Titans can still put pressure on teams, you know.
0: Yep. No, definitely, definitely. Some um, some very valid points there, Michael. Uh, Griff, I'll just go to you. And just to, to, to talk a little bit about the forward packs. We've talked oh, we talked a fair bit the other day about um, Isaiah Papali, how, ex- how impressed we have been with him. Um, but the big talk this season has been this forward pack from the Titans with uh, guys like Fodawaka, uh Fafida, and Big Tino. How do you see these two forward packs coming up against each other? Because we, we have seen a lot of form in that, that Eagles forward pack as well.
1: Yeah. Um, I'm really unsure who's going to win this game. Um, you could build a case for both teams. The The Titans forwards, when you look at him, it's a very, very good pack. Um, you've got the best runner of the football in the NRL, the most dangerous in David Fajita. Um, Tino has got a mention tonight for his game for Queensland. He's a power man. Foddle Waker's very good. Jared Wallace has been in good form this year. And Proctor, I think, comes off uh, two tries against the Raiders in last game. Um, Paris' strength is their forward pack. But uh, Junior Paulo is out of this game, uh, being rested after the origin that's a massive loss for mine um, he's their forward leader and and still a really good pack but they're losing their main yardage man there um, I want I want to tip the Gold Coast in this game but you I, I find it hard look up. I find it hard to tip them because I can't trust them. Um, I'm sorry. (laughs) The thought of tipping the Gold Coast is like Fonzie. Fonzie. Sorry. You can't
0: say it. You can't say it. I
1: I know I'm having all sorts of trouble saying I'm tipping the Gold Coast. Um, But bogger it, I'm going to tip him. Um, I may regret it. I'm actually I've sort of been a bit up and down in in our tipping comp, and I think I'm, I'm in a, a, a reasonable position. But it's one of those games that are going to go either way, and you're going to see, you know, a bit of a split in the tipsters. A lot of the games you know, get 100 on on one team. Uh, this is this is a 50 50 for me, but I'm going to go Gold Coast with the hope that they can defend as they did in the last game against the Raiders. Um, the Gold Coast are really good at scoring tries, but they're not so good at stopping them. Um, but I'm going to stick with them, and the reason being that that uh, you know Junior Paulo for minor, I rate him so highly, and he's not there for Para. So, and and the other thing is. It'd be interesting, you know, Mitchell Moses. Um, this is a, it's a Friday night game. He's coming out two nights after after origin. Um, what effect is that game that he played going to have? It would have taken a lot out of him, um, not just physically, but also mentally. And where's his head going to be at for this game? I'm not quite sure. So... Uh, you know, for those reasons, he plays but, for Paris, used to disappointment, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But that's not usually till September, Shane. Yeah, uh, sorry, it's Grif, Christmas, come early. Know, I'm sorry. We're, We're still, still in July.
3: July. <laughs> I wasn't gonna interrupt the idea. No, no, either. no, it's a, a fair I'll, call. I'll, I'll it's a, shut up, now. it's a it's,
1: fair call. It's dry but, July, but this time of the year, they're usually still pretty good. So, but no, I'm gonna go Gold coast.
0: Well, Griffo, you're tipping the Gold Coach. Shane, this is a massive game for them. <coughs> Some people may not realise how important it is for the Titans. They're only two points out of the eight. This could be an opportunity for them to beat a team that's in the eight and show that they deserve to make a push going into the finals, which are only a couple of months away graham i fully agree not only are they two points
3: uh within the eight they actually got a better for and against than the knights and if they win they could have a better for and against than the sharks so they they're right up there like, like make no make no mistake about it they have a chance my biggest thing with this game is reed marnie you know i'm a fan i love yeah. the man he is so good. He's kicking out a dummy half. It's going to be the X factor, that the parameter side has been missing. He is the extra added, you know, you know, like, oh, you guys know I love barbecue, right? I like doing my smoker barbecue. but there is like this extra little spice that you can add that just makes it from good to wow. That's Reid Marning for this side. He is the wow factor. He kicks them out of trouble. He runs him out of trouble. Statistically, when he plays for Parramatta, they win because he is that good. The Titans have everything to play for. Parramatta now have the Lego piece that makes their masterpiece. I just think this is a game (laughs) built for Friday night. It's six o'clock. I'm picking Parramatta with absolutely no confidence because Reed Marnie is back. I value what he does so importantly. However, if that Titans team get together and see the ladder and see the importance that a win could have, especially if they win by 18, you know, a few tries under their belt all of a sudden, they're nodding their head. That they mean business. But I think Reed Marnie just adds an extra bit of spice. Mm. that this team has been uh wanting to find I want to, yeah I, I I just think Reed my Mar- I am a massive fan I just think Reed Marnie's the man yeah no.
1: can I can I be the one that hides under the bed at your barbecue
3: <laughs> you didn't have to hide under my bed, mate You, you can, be you can run down center. the street with the wags no, I don't mate, I want I don't want to run five kilometres I just want to the under the bed I know it's not allowed to have to <laughs> visitors Unfortunately, but when this is over Mate, you know, when, when barbecue's on At Shano's place You know, I've got what uh, I picked up that one on the side Of the road, that barbecue uh, What have I got now? I've got offset stick smoker, two kettles, uh, three Webers, mate, a spit roaster, a, Goodness a Cypress grill.
2: Jeez. Don't you, get, you
3: worry, mate. We've got it covered.
2: Did you get all that at Paul's Party Supplies, did you?
3: No. <laughs> no. Nah, nah, the greatest one was I found a couple of them on the side of the road, far out. You know when you got a good find when your wife says, do you want to stay here and I go get the car? <laughs> You know when your wife all of a sudden says that not only have you got a keeper but you've 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 underst- she understands the importance of what you found
0: so good sport we
3: both went and got the car mind you and uh it, the Weber was still there when we got back webber we just
2: I, I was just going to say on this game if if uh, the titans do win and it bumps and if another team sort of has a shocker and they bump up into the 8 I think them making the finals this year would be so good for the club yeah. I think you know. Yeah, I think it'd I be it'd be such a big yeah. boost, but it it will be an. I think this will be an underestimated um, game. I think this will be closer than what most people think. It'll be could really. I, a-
3: could I just add to what you're saying there, <clears throat> um, Michael? As well, the Knights play um, the Storm this week and the Roosters next week. Mm. A win this week would just it would solidify a lot for them, and I agree. Mm. You couldn't have said it better. I couldn't have said yeah. it better.
1: Beautiful. I think if the Titans don't make the eight, it's a failure of the season. They came ninth last year yeah. without Fafita and Tino. Mm. Yep.
3: Mm. Yeah, no, it's a fair call. But
1: can, can, I, can I say this?
3: Has Fafita been one of the disappointments so far?
0: He... Oh, Graham, I'm going to
3: you because you did the whole whistle thing.
0: Who? Um he is a very good player. I think it was going to be very difficult for him to live up to the hype. And okay. we, were, we were part of building that hype. I thought he was going to be massive this year. I thought he was going to be unstoppable. And he probably hasn't been the superhero that we thought he might be. He's right.
1: been in, in patches. Yeah, I think there was. I think there we, was one game that he scored three tries in the first half, and that was very and early I think on. I ended yeah. up losing that game. Yeah, I might yeah. be wrong, but
0: worst team in the league. Second half, Titans.
1: Yeah, that's yeah. True. Look, hundred percent. That's a very. good He's point. done some things that no one else can do. Yeah, but he doesn't have consistency in his game. Michael, you know, what do you reckon? goes missing. Yeah, what but, do you reckon, Michael? I, I
2: think he's had probably two really great games all year. Yeah, Three. that's a that's <laughs> good point. That's he's fair. Probably, that's he's very fair. Two yeah. really great games. And then yeah. that that perpetuated the thing of, oh, he's back and he's the man and he's great by. But then the rest of the year he's been pretty quiet. And now he's just, like, he missed origin for a suspension. So, yeah. you know. Isn't it's- it
3: funny against really good sides he turns up? But against mm. rubbish he's just.
2: Absolutely average. I think as well. Like the tactic that they said, it's give the feet of the ball and he'll run at the smallest player and he'll get through and score. Yeah. I think they 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 were trying to expand his playing ability. And I just think once he's not doing that, he's not as the striker isn't there. Like he doesn't have as much versatility as someone like Big Tino, who I is a bit more of a yeah, well-rounded player.
3: I agree with you. I think we've got to be fair as well. He came from the draft. He came from the Broncos, hmm. where. Um, you know, when you look at their 5-8 in Milford, he was expected to be 5-8 so maybe that's what he thought he was
1: Yeah If you look at, <laughs> at David for feet, that's, the highlights That's so harsh, reel, sorry you look at his highlight reel it's better than any other forward in the game but a highlights reel just shows the highlights, it don't show the whole 80 minutes
2: mm.
1: where he goes missing Yeah. So He's he's scored some tries that only he can score. Um, But for mine, well, he hasn't loved. He hasn't lived up to the price tag. He has done some amazing things. But if they don't make the semi, like if they don't make the finals, then it's it's not money well spent. Mm. They have to
3: win this week to start that happening.
1: They have to. And I, 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 I'm going to back him in, not with confidence. It's hard to tip this team with confidence, isn't it?
0: Um, that's why I'm going with the with the Eels. I'm sort of going back to you know what Shane said in regards to Reed Marnie. He talked about Reed Marnie being the the cheese in their cake, the sauce in their steak, and uh, putting the spring back in their step. The um, linchpin. The linchpin. One player that um, we haven't really talked about, who I think. He doesn't fly under the radar, but we, we've previewed an Eels game here now for a good 10 or so minutes, and we haven't talked about Clint Gutherson. This is a bloke that many were, were pushing and saying, you know, he could have been that utility if they had um, structured the New South Wales bench a little bit differently. He did a good um, job
1: as ball, boy. <laughs>
0: well, I'll tell you what, he's good at bringing back the ball, and that's one of his strengths. And I think that, um, look, I think players like Gutherson... Um, yeah, Reid Marnie coming back is going to be a plus for them. I'm going to put it basically down to this, and I understand why Griffo's tipping the Titans, but I just can't confidently tip this team given the fact they've been so up and down. They're the yo-yo, you know what I mean? They're up, they're down, so they're in, they're out. Oh, they're they're cool. Katy Perry fans, and yep. um, I've got to go with they're the Eels. They're, they're in, they're out. That's right, they're doing the hokey-pokey. So I'm going to go with the Eels in this one, but uh, I'll tell you what, Griffo. If uh, the Titans get the job done, it might be a an, uh, a couple of points on the tipping comp that uh,
1: no one else. It will is. Get. And it's probably it's that time of the year where if you if you're not in the lead, you you have to you have to take some calculated gambles, and that, and that's why I'm going for them.
0: Gotta take a risk. All right, moving on to our second game of the round. This is also going to take place on Friday night. This is also going to take place at Seabus Super Stadium up on the Gold Coast. Uh, The Manly Seagulls are going to be technically hosting the St. George Illawarra Dragons. Uh, Obviously, games being moved to Queensland, given the current COVID situation down here in Sydney. Uh, In regards to the team news... We know that Tom Trubojevic and Cherry Evans played last night in Origin. Um, the talk around town today has been that Turbo's expected to be rested. So keep an eye rested. on that one.
1: Yeah. He's not on the list, Graham.
0: So they've updated the list and
1: he's not yeah, there? Yeah, he's not there, mate. He's, All right. He's been rested.
0: So we're just recording this as we often are. Just hit uh, 24 hours before the game. They've updated the teams. Griffo's got his ear to the ground. He's telling me that Turbo's going to be rested. Uh, so that'll mean Ruben Garrick going to fullback with Suley on the wing, I'd imagine. Um, yep. looking at the updated list there, we've got Daly Cherry Evans at halfback. Uh, that will mean that Dylan Walker is going to move to the interchange bench. For Manly fans, just a reminder <laughs> that Jake Trebojevic is still out with that hip injury. Uh, but it looks like Josh Schuster is uh, named for a return. This will be his first game since round 11, coming back from that calf industry, uh, industry injury. <laughs> There's a gap for you. Um, so Carl Lawton moves to the bench. Um, Sipley has been named, even though he had that shoulder injury against the Raiders and Kay Cust and Jack Gajeski are dropping out of that team that lost to Canberra last week. For the Dragons, um, we're hearing and looking at the teams, it seems as though Tarek Sims and Ben Hunt should be good to go. Uh, Those who aren't good to go, obviously we're still talking about those biosecurity breaches. Um, Matt Dufty, Fumano and Cade Ellis are going to serve their one-game suspensions this week. That is going to mean that uh, Sloan's going to be at fullback with the Bellin shifting to prop forward at lock. Um, Griffo loves a good, uh, switcheroo. Uh, you'll notice there that we've got Tanua Brown joining the club on loan, um, from the Warriors. He's on the bench this week. Uh, so that's uh, definitely something to keep in mind. Um, Farmasul is the other name on the bench. We've got the Seagulls here, Griffo, a team that when they're flying high, they're flying high, but, um... They are a turbocharged team, and this week without that turbocharger under the hood, are we going to see the same Seagulls that we've seen over the past few weeks? We know last week without Turbo, they struggled.
1: Yeah, they were without Turbo. Well, they were also without, Jay the Cherry Evans uh, in that game against the Raiders. Um, and and uh, DCE is backing up.
3: Yeah, that's a good point, Griff.
1: Um Uh, uh Okay, I'm going to I'm going to stick with Manly here. Um I I think the main reason that when you when you went through the teams was is the return of Josh Schuster. He hasn't been there for a month or so. I think he's a really good player. Um I think uh, – now, I don't discount the Dragons, but I think Manly have – I think they've uh, they've still got a good side. Um, and I'm not convinced about St. George Illawarra. Uh, they're up in the eight. They got away with their last game – Against the Warriors, a game we spoke a lot about, um, but they weren't real good that day. Both teams were poor. I I think Manly, a bit of a wake up call last week getting beaten by the Raiders. I think their forwards, the power game that they've got there, is is really a big strength that should get them over the line. One thing I will say is that the Raiders uh, did a really good job of just controlling the ball, and and that took the gas out of Manly. And then their little guys were able to to go through the, the tiring forwards. So I think Coach Griffin would have certainly noted that, and he'd be looking to guys like Ben Hunt in particular um, and we saw what Ben Hunt did last night. I think he's going to be the main man for the Dragons. If they're to win, it, it'll be on the back of a big effort from Ben Hunt. Um, but I'm, I'm going to stick with Manley. I think you've still got guys like try scoring ability in the back line with, with the likes of Saab, Garrick, uh, Moses Suli. But I, I think I think the forward power. Um, number 11, who's got a difficult name to say for me, Hamoli Um he scored a try against the Raiders that was David Fafita-like. He is a powerful human. And uh, as is uh, Toa Fafowa um Taniella Paseka, They've got giants in this team. And added to those giants is the very talented Josh Schuster. And I think they've got enough class to uh, to beat the Dragons. Um, but, you know, look, if, if St. George Illawarra can do what Canberra did, and that was starve the Sea Eagles of possession, uh, they can tire out those guys. But I just, I just think Manly with a class factor there. If we go down to Melbourne, uh, what do you think, Michael?
2: Yeah, I think uh, <coughs> you know, given all the off-field drama that sort of plagued St George, I think that's going to be the spanner in the works for them. Ben Hunt, like you said, Griff, Ben Hunt coming off an Origin win and being instrumental in their win. I think he'll be, uh, you know, playing hooker and being a versatile hooker and being a playmaker. I think he'll be utilising... The ball movement to sort of get um, get the Saints uh, moving around a lot. You've got players like Cody Ramsey who can score tries for him. Um, saying that, though, you've also got players in Manly like Jason Saab. He's a speed demon. Hmm. You know, he, he scores plenty of tries. Ruben Garrick's great with the boot. Cherry Evans is back off the origin win. He'll be looking, I think, to um, put his mark on this game as well, showing... You know, origin teammate becomes a rival the next game. You know, so him versus Hunt, I think the Battle of the Halves will be. It is
1: both wearing number seven. That's interesting point. Yeah,
2: it'll be very interesting this week to see because both of them will be wanting to make their mark on this game. But I think uh, a fairly consistent player as well for Manly is Hank Hank Scorpio, the (laughs) centre. Brad Parker, yes. I think he's he's a great... great yes, I'm great, glad you've taken yeah. it up. I think he's a great ball runner. He seems... There's been a couple of occasions this year when Manly has sort of scored a try out of nothing and he's been the one to be putting the ball down. He's the kind of player that goes under the radar a little bit but does find himself right place, right time.
3: Well, he shows uh, them where the hammock district is. That's
2: right. Marianne's hammocks. It's, 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 sorry, it's not in packages. But... Uh, <laughs> But you're right. You're right, Griff. Manly, I think, do have an imposing pack. Uh, I just think that the the experience of Manly um, and just they'll they'll just sort of be too physical for Saints. So I see Manly winning this one. Shano, uh, you love a good
0: barbecue. You told us all about your barbecue gear. What are your thoughts on the Dragons?
3: The Dragons had they not had the situation that they did they would be in this up to their eyeballs. Mm. You look at how Hunt played the other day. If they had a full complementary team, they would have ran riot, and they may have won this game. Mm. I think this actually bodes. It just frustrates me because, look, do I have any special affiliation with the Dragons? No, I'm a South Sydney fan. We're rivals. We hate each other. What sucks is that when people don't do the right thing, when they put their club at jeopardy, when you've got mm. fans that turn up every week, when they put the bloody banners up, the GST banners, the great, you know, huh. and the you know, George some banner. George Lover banner. When they do this kind of thing and the players don't reciprocate, mm. that's what craps me to death. Mm. With this game, what first, Oh, Bailey's going to win. Manley's got too much class. I'm telling you now, you got you got players. You got Martin to power. I, I, I like um, I like um, I like Croker. I, I, you guys know I like Jason Saab. He is an absolute speed demon. Hank Scorpio, uh, Brad Parker, uh, Moses Suley. Look, you know any team that puts Dylan Walker at number fourteen, you know they've got um, you know they've got they've got class. But gee whiz. They had a chance, the Dragons, and they blew it. And that's what frustrates me. I'm tipping Manly, but far out. If they had just one or two more players, the Dragons, they were in this up to their eyeballs and they blew it. I think you're right.
2: You're right, (sighs) Sean. I think this game three weeks ago would have been explosive.
3: Oh, it would have been Mm. awesome. It would have been fantastic. Eight o'clock Friday, done.
2: Yeah. Yeah,
0: nah, Fair call. Well, I'll, I'll tip Manly in this one too. And um, well, as I said, obviously they, they, they lose a little bit with our turbo, but you, you go through the, the Dragons team, they're, they're missing, you know, some, some key players as well. I mean, we haven't even really talked in depth about the fact that, um, you know, Paul Vaughan's not a part of the, 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 the team at all anymore. So look, with some of these blokes like Dufty, uh, Vaughan, um, even Fumano has been, you know, a, a part of this side. They've been inconsistent as it is. And, um, you know, when you go to Manly's side, you guys were talking about some of their personnel and players that can and can't get in the side. Um, Cade Cuss still down in the reserve. So that says a bit about this team. I think that Manly, um, given where they are on the ladder and given their position and how they've been going, they won't want to lose a couple in a row, especially uh, they would have been a bit surprised that they went down to... The Raiders, I'm expecting them to bounce back and get the job done this week against. And you know what's even
3: really interesting, Gray? What's that? With all the crap that's hit the fan, Josh McGuire still not in the starting side.
1: Yeah. <laughs> Great. Can, <laughs>
2: can I ask? Do you guys know has Adam? Uh, sorry, is Matt Dufty been signed by anyone yet? Yeah. 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 He's got one year contract Dogs. with the Bulldogs. 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 Right. Yeah. I thought Ado, Ado Car's going to be the fullback there, though, isn't he? Well, not now. Well. <laughs> Adokar was leaving because he wanted to be a fullback. You know,
3: what, you know what cracks me up, Michael? You make a good point. They've actually signed four That's fullbacks. They've, yeah. got full, they've got full... Uh, well, where are they going to play?
0: Corey, Corey I, you know, Allen probably Corey called Allen them up Allen and said, play don't worry, five, fellas, they will pl- nah, play everywhere.
3: Corey Allen's going to play 5-8. <laughs> I, I guarantee Corey Allen be 5-8. You, you make such a good point. Who knows? Adokar might even be bloody centre. I would be surprised if Dufty
0: line. ends up in the centres. I would be. Dufty might even play 58 You wouldn't know. Nothing surprises me at the Bulldogs.
1: Nothing. Not Trent, Trent, Trent Barrett.
0: Oh, Trent Barrett oh, might he put he a jersey on. In he the might. Line. He's still the best 58 there. <laughs> He'll, he just slaps them all <laughs> and wherever you fall, that's, that's right, where you slaps play. Slaps
3: in the face and tells them to
0: get on with it. Uh, anyway,
2: um, Brown, cut, he loves this. Then he cries. <laughs>
0: yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, manly to win. Okay, so moving on to the next game, we have uh, the Canberra Raiders who are coming off a win, coming up against the Sharks, who are also coming off a win. Uh, I'll tell you what, the, uh, the ground at the Gold Coast is going to get a hammering this week. It's Saturday, 3 p.m., Seabus uh, Super Stadium, Raiders taking on the Sharks. Uh, in regards to the team news,
2: yet again, so it's we Raiders,
3: have... Is the Raiders and the Sharks the 3 o'clock game? I uh, think it's
2: cow- cow- Cowboys Roosters, isn't
3: it? Cowboys Roosters, I thought was the three o'clock game. No, sorry,
1: no. Oh, no, well, there, go- ha- there might be some changes, but I'm looking. No. at All oh,
0: because
3: right, I'm I'm on the. That's what I asked. I'm on their website. No,
0: no the latest the latest lineup from the NRL is that uh, the Gold Coast is going to have the the Raiders and Sharks at three p.m. on uh, yeah. Saturday. Okay. Look, regardless of when or where they play, <laughs> they're playing the, each I've, other. On the N-
3: <laughs> I was following. This is this is a circus that is the NRL, really.
1: Yeah, look, from oh, what I'm hearing, it's critical. I mean, they're they're getting the, yeah, they're getting no, they're they're struggling. Up,
3: right? yeah. a fair call to them.
0: Look, and I think I, they've, I've they've had to I, do a bit of a on shuffle. On the
3: NRL website, and it said that on Saturday, three o'clock at Queensland Country Bank Stadium, Townsville will be the Cowboys Roosters. At five thirty, will be Raiders Sharks, and at seven. 35 at sea Bus will be Storm nights
0: Well, yes, they've just uh, changed it. They've just yeah. changed it. Okay, yeah, yeah, you're it, right. It, you're I, right. They, I, I've been it, hitting. Yeah. To be no, fair, you're great. right.
3: I'm hitting refresh as we go. So, yeah. no, okay. you're right, Shane. You haven't done anything wrong. I reckon that could have been 20 Look, minutes ago when we jumped
0: on. When we jumped on the podcast yeah, about nah, an hour and a half ago, nah, nah, the three o'clock cool. game was going to be the Raiders Sharks. I've been. Let's go in order. Stuff I've been it.
3: cycling through a few things. My my, back, uh, I didn't nah. want to jump on your toes there, but
0: yeah. I'll be honest with you, Shane. This shows just how uh, just how things are changing oh, as we go. Um,
3: if I have to hear this again, I'm unprecedented times.
0: Unprecedented times, and and to be yeah. honest with you, I've hit refresh on the draw, and they're telling me now the Cowboys are going to play the Roosters at three pm yeah, in Yeah, yeah. I,
3: I I swear you're right. I thought yeah. it was this other way. No, nah, Okay. That's that's fine. Like because. Poor bastards like she's who'd want their job?
0: Who the Cowboys, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Look, okay, oh,
3: what were you talking Look. about? Abdo and uh, so I'd have their job in a heartbeat. Cowboys yeah. job? No, fuck All right, God. well,
0: hey. what we'll do, Shane, um, if if you're cool with it, let's talk about the uh, the three o'clock game, the Cowboys Roosters. Yeah, That's gonna happen yeah at jump on it. I'm ready. Right. I'm ready. Let's roll. So for the Cowboys, uh, just so that you got your papers shuffled there, uh, Valentine Holmes, um, look, he's unlikely to play against the Roosters this week. He's unlikely to play for a, for a bit that um that shoulder injury he uh he received last night. Keep an eye on that one because um that that looked like a nasty AC joint injury. So um, can I'm I say
3: not... this, Graham? Don't look at the sides that are being listed. I reckon tomorrow they're going to be a a shadow of their former selves.
0: Yeah, well, look,
3: we know that um, Molo and... Kane Bradley's the reserve, so they've got one more up their sleeve.
0: I'd say um, Asi might be the player to come in at fullback. Uh, Look, what we do know is that um, Griffo's favourite, the balloon, Helium, he's uh, suspended, um, suspended, so we know he won't be there. Well, of course, he's suspended. He's full of helium. He's still, yeah. He's he's floated <laughs> away, and that was that was a bit interesting that game because there were a couple of shots. Um, oh, yeah. Some could that was here. horrendous. That was a uh, you talk about gaps. Um,
3: as far as as far as the judiciary go, and look, people know our allegiance, but there were some serious gaffes there. If he got suspended, there's a Cardinal and Myrtle player that should have been suspended as well.
0: Yeah, Liam, nice the one you're talking about, and that's but... a fair.
3: And look, I, I look, I don't, you know, you don't mind where your allegiance lies as long as everything's fair. If that was a suspension, the other one was too, and and he, and he should have got, you know, like for like, they should have got suspended both of them.
1: Yep. Or well, let
3: they... off both of them. I don't know. Like, you know, like the chocolate wheel that is the judiciary. I, I, I don't know the the process anymore. I don't know what the chocolate wheel looks like, but yeah.
0: So, the Roosters this week, they're coming up against the Roosters. Um, look, we know that the origin players from the Roosters, we've got Tedesco and Crichton, um, we'll see it, uh, given the fact they've got that extra day recovery, they might be um, good to go. We know that Radley came back and uh, he, he's back in the swing of things. The massive injury news Swally. for the Roosters is Joseph Suwali. He will not play any more football in 2021. He is going to have surgery on his foot. And Griffo, have you heard the official diagnosis?
1: Oh, it's not Liz Frank, is it?
0: It is a Liz Frank. So he's going to have surgery oh, in I an know. attic in Amsterdam. It will be the, uh, the Franks. the Frank strikes again. Yep. So he's... uh. It's a, it's a nasty injury in a sense that it's an oh, awkward one. he's been Liz
1: Frankenstein. He has.
0: So, unlucky for Suwali in his first Can year of NRL. Together, so, basically, yeah, you've sort of got your midfoot, the ligaments coming away, and, uh, yeah, he's got to have surgery to fix that one up. Um,
3: Graham, we know that he's had this type of surgery before. Is that an ongoing issue for this young man? Can Is that something that's fixed? And usually okay. Because he's had this kind of thing before.
0: The, the thing to keep in mind too is he did this at, um, at training. Mm. So what people need to understand is this isn't one of those ones where it's, you know, in the heat of battle and, you know, it's a bit unlucky he got hit, he got there. Um, basically, you're looking at an injury where, how would I describe it? It's... it's You've got your basically the the metatarsals, which are like your your toes, but they go back right through to the middle of your foot and where where you've got the main bones that make up just under where your your leg is, um, you know, that that go towards your ankle, we it's it's called the midfoot. It's where they sort of come away. Now it's one of these injuries too where you know it, it might just be a, it may have happened initially as a collision. I don't know how it happened at training. right. Um, we've what seen mark. players in the past have it where they've been had their foot stepped on. Um, usually you know people who aren't football players, you find it might be if they have a fall or something really heavy drop uh, falls on their foot. <laughs> um, but he's, been, he's he's had foot
3: injuries in his junior career. Is this something that's the is this something that's sort of been building up to this where it's an ongoing thing, or now that they've found it, they fix it and he moves on? It's hard to say. I mean,
0: with any injury and especially something like this, you you're going to find that, you know, there might be the opportunity down the track for it to happen. It's it's definitely very different to say that injury we were talking about the other week with um Nathan Cleary, where we've got stability issues and so on and so forth, um, but you know, for for people to understand, this is this is a type of injury where they basically take the bones of your foot and they screw them back in place, and it's a it's a long recovery. Like he'll he'll probably have screws in his foot for three months, and then they take him out, and you know. It, wow. it, it, it could be, he could have wires in there for six weeks. Yeah, it depends that's... on the severity and that. It could be, you know, a long time before he's actually, you know, weight bearing. It's a big injury. Um, that's why
3: you're our exercise physio- physiologist, mate. Yeah. No, so, one can, no one can stretch a
0: groin like you. It's, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Other people's groins too. It's basically like, think of the middle of your foot and you're dislocating the bones in the middle of your foot. Yeah, They've wow. got to put him back together that's what he's dealing with so it's a big injury for the young fella it's a it's a disappointment hopefully he comes back um better than ever look looking at teams looking to to, to come back and um and and save their season the cowboys are one of those griffo where look they're, they're technically still only two points out of the eight um but you know we, we we feel like going into this game we've just got the roosters in a different league don't we
1: Well, the first thing I want to say about this game is I'm looking at the interchange bench for the Roosters. You've got two butchers,
0: and a lamb. baker,
1: <laughs> and I was going to say a very frightened lamb sitting on the bench with him. I'll Imagine you being what. a lamb. You've got two butchers and a baker sitting next to you. I'll tell you what. That's his
0: survival. He's buggered if they're having sandwiches at halftime. Oh my goodness
1: me! You know, look—he's not vegan. <laughs> yeah, far out. Oh, oh, poor little lamb. There, two butcher—not just one butcher, two of them. You know, one of them could chop his hand off, and there's still another one that's looking to you know do something to you. Let alone the baker. But anyway, do you reckon I Lamb knows
0: how to make candlesticks?
1: I—I I tell you what. I don't think he's ever going to become a sheep, even when you sit next to two butchers and a baker. But anyway, what I want to say is that uh, I'm going to tip the Roosters here. I was incredibly uh, disappointed with the Cowboys in their last game. Um, Their defense out wide was disgusting they were completely illiterate I can't remember who they played um, can you can you enlighten me because but their outside backs had Cowboys ab- last
0: game played South
1: South Sydney okay that's what yeah. I was thinking South but they just could not read defense they could count numbers Um, The Roosters, I I was disappointed in them as well. They beat the Bulldogs, but they didn't do it well. Um, They're going to have to play better. Um, But they do have the inclusion of Tedesco and and Crichton. So I do expect they will play better. But the Cowboys' outside backs, awful. Um, Currently, they still have Valentine Holmes listed at fullback. He'll not be there.
0: No,
1: um, I'm not quite sure what sort of. Yeah, I think as you mentioned, uh Arce uh, probably will come in. He played there last time. But uh, they're outside backs, so Tao Longi, Lume Lu. They just defensively. Kyle felt throw him in there as well. They're awful. Um, The Roosters would have seen that, and they win this game. This Cowboys team, about a month ago, were on a bit of a a roll, and and they were in the top eight and looking good. But they've just – and there's no coincidence. It's all happened since Clifford left the club. Um, They brought in a new half. I'm not saying it's the half's fault. But I am saying that when you take a guy out of a team that's functioning well uh, and let him go to another club, then you uh, uh, it's your own fault. Why they allowed that to happen? Yes, Clifford was going to Newcastle next year, but that's next year. Hmm. Look at Penrith. They got Matt Burt in there. They're under all sorts of pressure to let him go, but they didn't. Why? Because he's a good player, and,
3: and more than that, Griff. I think Clifford understood the strengths of the people around him, whereas Deen has to learn that.
1: But yeah, this is why they have, this is why they have these long pre-seasons, so they can build up, you know, all this sort of playing. And uh, and why bother having doing all that? With this chopping and changing in July. Hundred percent. You make a very, very valid point. I was reading that they're talking about Aaron Woods leaving the sharks to go to another club. Now, I don't firstly, I don't think it should be allowed. And secondly, I think it's just absolutely stupid. The Sharks are in the top eight. Why would they allow one of their starting front rowers and a leader in the club to leave because he's Aaron Woods but he's been playing okay (laughs) he has
3: been I'm being being horrible you're 100% correct I just I cannot understand
1: it and I don't think it's right and it's. I think it needs to stop it used to be uh, June 30 and that was it if you hadn't moved by June 30 you're not moving like, we're two-thirds of the way through the season. Maybe a bit more. I'm, I'm not great on maths. And and we've still got players moving clubs. I, I think it's wrong. I think there needs to be a cut-off date. Uh, to, I think there needs to be two, two windows, two transfer windows, and that's it. As a fan, I don't like to see... A guy, and we saw it with um, Ken Mamalo. One week he's playing Melbourne for the New Zealand Warriors. He scores three tries. He's absolutely balling after the game because he realizes he's going to play for Muriel the next week against the Storm again. <laughs> and they get hammered by 60. You didn't get any three tries. He didn't get three tries, but I tell you what, I'm sure he would have shed a lot more tears. Uh, I, I, I'm, I'm on a rant here. It's a I good reckon, one. What, what do I do? A rant every four Keep or five. Keep going. Uh, Don't stop. Keep going because I love it.
3: I hate the idea of, I think at the start of the year, you play for that club and it's over.
1: I I, I agree, Shane, but there's only there's only one one reason that I, I think um, to go away from that, and that's where you you get the the player swap. Um, like we saw a bit last year when we saw Harry Grant. And yeah, that's um, fair, Komarofsky. and it works well.
3: How good did it work? It but, worked
1: very well. I liked it. But that's it. And, that's and it. I would, I would of say, you know. End of yep. May, you know, not, not two-thirds or more of the way through the season. We're almost at the finals. We're talking about finals, and they're still talking about players moving club. You
3: know, you know, Griffo, you make a really good point. They said that the greatest thing to happen to the Super League and the worst thing to happen to the Super League was when Andrew Johns came over. So Andrew Johns, when he played, he was playing for a club that was bottom of the table, Uh, I think he played seven games. They went on this seven-game winning streak because he's brilliant because Newcastle weren't going to... No, it was over and everything. And this is the thing. What are you trying to achieve? You know, like, I really think that you need to start saying, this is the squad, this is the team. Unless this player swaps, which you can understand, It's over. And even player swaps, I think June 30, if you haven't swapped the player by June 30, it's over. No player can re-sign for a club in that calendar year and by June 30, any player swaps. Your roster should be well and truly set. What I dislike about this is it makes up for um, managerial neglect. And managerial neglect is killing rugby league at the moment and we need to fix
0: that. So Michael, if you were the uh, Cowboys, who would you swap so that they've got a chance to beat the Roosters? The whole team. <laughs> <laughs>
2: well, I I look at the I look at the Cowboys and I think coming out of origin is usually a good thing for a team. If you're coming out of a losing series, you've got inspiration to play better. If you're coming out of a winning series, you've got at least that's under your belt. You know, I think you, you've won mm. an origin, so your year is going all right. When you look at North Queensland with the players they had an origin, well, Kyle felt played two pretty terrible games. You had the hammer who played a great game. And then you had Valentine Holmes who has an injury that's going to cost him a good couple of weeks. So it's not a very good come out of origin for no. North Queensland. I think the best player for them all year has been Scott Drinkwater. Yep. He's been sort of Mr. Consistent. Tal has been a bit of a letdown. Some games he's great. I think you guys touched on, you know, he, he had the broken wrist one one week and then that got better and he broke his other wrist. Mm. It's like, it was almost like he was doing that to get out of playing for him. But it seemed that way. I, it, it just feels like with Cowboys, they have no direction. And then their future for next year is they've bought Chad Townsend.
1: Yeah, the 800,000. Oh,
2: who, who couldn't even get a start for a Cronulla and uh, I think is on loan now to the Warriors. Yeah. And just so out of form, and they've paid overs for him for next year. He's not going to help that team at all, yeah. I think. I'll call him Silicon. Oh. In the building trade, whenever anything's stuffed
3: up, you just use Silicon. Use yeah. Silicon.
2: It's like if you can't fix it with uh, duct tape, you're not using enough of it. But <laughs> Chad Townsend is not the, the fix. He's not the fix. I, I don't think the issue with Cowboys is in the centres. I think what like you touched on, Griff. It's their defense. It's their defense that lets them down. When they're losing, they're losing by big margins. Yep. So.
0: Yeah, and and the yep. Roosters are the type of team that when they're when they're rolling, Shona, they can put a big margin on you.
3: Good. Oh yeah, they're good. They're good. I I, I love the Roosters. I, I I think when you look at their team at the moment, look the na- the team they've named Tedesco, Tupu, Morris, Manu, Ikavalu. Hutchinson, Walker, what a back line. That is outstanding. That is the back line that when you look at, when you look at the Cowboys, they're sort of thinking, oh, geez, I wish we had that. Um, we were a Hargreaves, Verils, Liu, Crichton, Tupanua, Radley. They're going to win this game. On the back of those names alone, they are quality players. They are brilliant, they are brilliant rugby league players. They'll win this game on the back of that. For the Cowboys, they need some really significant players to stand up. Of course, JT is one of them. Can I just can I just do a shout out to a guy who may not have gotten a lot of uh, press of late, Francis Molo, and another guy, Reese Robson. They're two players that really, you know, that they've been solid. They need to stand up. Look, you got the hammer, uh, Kyle Felt, Well. I don't think Valentine Holmes will be playing but when you look at their side they they are a shadow of what they're playing. I've got the Roosters winning cuz when you look at what the other two gentlemen have said, it's 100% correct.
0: Yeah, it sounds like uh it's unanimous, Roosters for all of us. <laughs> Alright, now I promise Canberra and Cronulla fans, this time I'm going to talk about your game. Um, and what the NRL are now telling us is that it will take place at 5.30pm. They're going to give the, uh, the turf at the Gold Coast just that little bit of an extra rest. Um, so as I said, we've got the Raiders taking on the Sharks, 5.30pm. Uh, the Raiders have Jack White and Josh Papali'i uh, named to back up after Origin. So keep an eye on that to see how they go. But uh, the Raiders are expecting them to play. Elliot Whitehead, he's going to be out. He had that um, head gash against the Titans, so he's also got a minor shoulder injury, so they thought it'd be best to uh, see him sit this one out. Um, Dunamis-Louis also suffered a calf strain against Manly, so he's expected to miss a couple of games. For the Sharks, um, well, they're coming off that game against the, uh, the Warriors, and uh, Josh Hannay's decided to uh, stick with the team that got the job done. Uh, Just for those that are wondering, uh, still a few players missing from the side. Moylan's still out with that calf injury. And um, Will Chambers, he's uh, sidelined again because of the quarantine after a trip to Victoria for the birth of his third child. So, look, um, we've got the Raiders. They are coming off a win, but we we asked you earlier on, Michael, about the Raiders and where you would have had in your eight we we've talked all year about the raiders possibly being one of those middle of the uh the eight teams uh we've mentioned week in week out that they're really our disappointment of the season what are your thoughts on the raiders and, and what do you think their chances are coming up against the sharks this week
2: yeah look i think it'll be <clears throat> it'll be a close game i do think uh they'll have something to play for now to try and get at least two wins in a row but it feels like the Raiders, it's just their season has just been like a, a car crash in slow motion where it it hasn't been there's glimmers of hope every time you watch them. Like there's chunks of the game, even when they lose, there's chunks of the games where they have flashes of brilliance. But I I'm not sure. I don't I don't see them beating I don't see them beating the sharks. I think Sean Johnson now is He's got a lot of confidence, I think, especially after the Panthers game a few weeks ago. He's just playing now with a lot more confidence. He's kicking games on point. As they call it, he's playing eyes up footy, whatever that means. But uh, I don't see them beating the Sharks. I think Sharks seem to be going fairly well. I didn't think they'd be in the eight this year, but, you know, lo and behold, they've proved everyone wrong. Um, Still not convinced about their finals chances, the Sharks, but... uh, there was definitely that that portion of I think it was earlier this year where they hadn't beaten a team or was it last year that they didn't beat a team in the top eight for most of the
1: year no, and they still made not not most of the all of the year. Mm. Yeah. Yeah.
2: So still not convinced on the Sharks as a premiership contender. I definitely don't think they are, but I do see them beating Canberra. I don't think Canberra are gonna be able to back it up. I just think there's just too much inconsistency. Um and like Griffo had said earlier, Jack White and uh, or was it Shane that you said Jack Whiteham seemed to play at Origin the way he plays in Clubland?
3: Yeah, 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 hundred percent.
2: And yeah. there's, that was there's disappointing. Yeah, and I, I don't, I don't think he's been playing that good this year. Last year he played consistent. And he was fantastic. This year he hasn't been playing good. I think, um, yeah, shark, sharks by, sharks by eight points for me.
0: Would you would you agree with that, Shane? Because um, you know the Sharks have been one of those teams that we we we've talked about. They had a they had quite a good run. They had a bit of a run there where they were um, they were winning games, and um, you know they got up last week. The only real you know blip on the radar was a loss to the Broncos, which none of us saw coming. Other than that, um, you know they're in winning form. Oh, the Sharks! The Sharks are on
3: fire, and they've been flying under the radar. 100%. When we look at the Sharks, like, you know, they're, they're, they've been doing some fantastic things. Um, William Kennedy, Katoa, Tracy, uh, Jesse Ramian, uh, Sean Johnson has been absolutely orchestrated. When, when they're in trouble and people were questioning it, Sean Johnson, he he was the puppeteer and, and he has... Um, he has absolutely done some phenomenal things with this club, especially last week. He, I thought he was instrumental. Um, Tolman, Braley, Woods. Now Woods is the captain. I was a bit harsh on Woods earlier. I, I think I think they're being solid. They've got a solid forward pack, and and the thing the thing also is not only is their forward pack solid. But um, their bench has stepped up and done what they're, they're meant to do. Um, Hammond, Hammond Luweli is a guy who I, I think we mentioned him earlier on in the year. I know I mentioned him in our preseason. I, I thought in the preseason he was absolutely outstanding. And, and he's, he's someone who's playing some very solid football. When I look at the look, Graham, to answer your question, I, I think the Sharks are going to win. Can I just do a big shout-out to Jared Croker? Um, I'm a bit of a fan, and you know that. Uh, He is the fastest player to get to 2,200 points. He's the fourth player in the NRL to do so. Um, He's the kind of guy they need to lead themselves into winning this side. When I look across, though, look, I just want to go through the side and when we go through Canberra and their disappointment, we can start to see where it all lies. Uh, number one, Xavier Savage, or Charles Nickel Clock Stud. That's where he should be at. Uh, when we look at Valemi, Croker, Sebastian Chris, Jordan Rapinart. that's right. I don't think White and really found his fit with Sam Williams. I I, I I think they're too much of the same. I think in another time, in another place, White would be six, someone else would be number seven, maybe Williams would be number nine, but George Hodgson's number nine, but George Hodgson is a guy who's really just upset with the world and and Canberra at the moment. Papali'i hasn't been the Papali'i that we've won. Harawira Naira, he's now a starting second rower in a side that, well... He, was, he got thrown a lifeline to, really. Um, Gula, you'd never thought that he would be playing. Hudson Young is a good player. Ryan Sutton. What gets me is their bench. Tom Starling, good player. Tarpenny is number 15. Soliola, number 16. Ryan James, number 17. These are guys you would thought would have started. On the other side, you've got Hiroti. Talakai Williams and Hammond Ueli. I see their interchange, names for the Raiders, but yet for the Sharks, people who are in form. You can have your name and you could earn it, but if you're in form at the moment, you're going to win games. And that's, for me, why the, the Sharks are going to win. Everyone in the Sharks' side, they're on point at the moment and they they've got form.
0: Yeah, and look, we have got to give the Raiders a little bit of credit, Griffo. They are coming off a win. Um, during the week, we talked a lot about uh, the top paid paid players in the NRL. One of the players we said was an absolute steal and a, um, and a bargain was William Kennedy. He's coming up against the Shane. Senna- Shane O said this week, uh, Xavier Savage, who I thought, you know, he he in his debut, he had a he had a really good game. Um, all things considered. Uh, We've really got some, some players, though, as we said during the week in this Sharks team, that aren't necessarily the blokes on big money but are playing well, like your Kennedy and your Tracy.
1: Yeah, Graham, interesting you say that, because I was going to, um, I was going to mention, and you went through some of the guys that are not in the team, um, Moylan, Dugan, Andrew Fifita, and Wade Graham, Probably mm. make up nearly half of the shark's salary cap.
0: A lot of cash on the. All on those sidelines. guys
1: were, I think, in the top forty paid players. Maybe even like lower than forty. That four of them, and none of them are playing. Yeah. But the reality is that these guys that are playing, not on the big box, most of them but they've been playing really well for quite a long period of time and, um, and and Kennedy's been he's been outstanding at the back they've got two very good wingers in Katoa and Mulitalo um, i was really disappointed with one of Katoa's efforts last week when he couldn't stick his hand on a ball in the in-goal and resulted in a try but he's a good player <coughs> Excuse me. Um, Tracy and Ramian, very good players. Trindle is a young guy uh, coming through who's, who's going to have that, or potentially have that six jersey. But with Nico Hines coming next year, probably Nico Hines will, will get that jersey. Johnson's been outstanding um, in his time at the Sharks especially last year before he got injured. And in recent weeks, anything good that the Sharks do really is is coming from Sean Johnson and the other guys are following on. Um, The forwards have done their job. Um, I want to point out something from last week's game that I sat and watched. It It wasn't my grab for the week because there was so much going on with the walkers. Um but after oh hello Um after Braden Hamlin Ueli crashed over for a try um, it looked like he put one on on Jack Williams and Jack Williams fell to the ground and thought what's going on here and mm. then it was uh, it was a, a post try celebration it had me I thought he punched him
2: um, it's a WWE move wasn't
1: it yeah <laughs> It was, um, people's, and
2: people's elbow.
1: Yeah, well, <laughs> he, look. He, obviously, once he um, he come up with that, I realised you know he didn't hit Jack, but I will tell you what, it looked like he did. Um, and uh, the sponsors who were donating um, in try July five thousand dollars for every try to the very worthy cause, the Mossy Masoi Foundation. They actually thought that was such a good um, effort. They they awarded ten thousand dollars for that particular post try celebration. So well done, Hamlin uh, Ueli and Jack Williams. Um, I like I like the Sharks in this game. Um, credit to the Raiders for, for beating Manly against the odds a bit, but they actually beat him quite convincingly because they starved them of possession. Um, the Sharks are a very different team to Manly. The Sharks don't have a big pack. It's a, uh, um, I was going to say it's a mobile pack, but, but it's not really when you got Tolman and Woods up front, the the back row was very mobile, um, Aiden Tolman. I was, I was critical of, of, of them signing him, but I think he's, he's had a really good year. Um, I like what the Sharks are doing. I think they beat the Raiders. Just
0: this- yeah, it's, it's <laughs> gonna be a it's gonna be a tight one. This is one of those ones where I was you know flip flopping a bit, and I, I think I'm with you guys. I think I'm going to tip the Sharks. I think they've just um you know they've been a little bit they've been well they've definitely been more consistent than the Raiders. Uh, we know the Raiders have. Um, some players in key positions. Shane, you know, talked about fullback. They got a youngster in there, but you know, with the sharks, even with those big names out, the the young guys coming in, some would argue that they they've been playing better, and they're definitely good value. So, um, yeah, I think I'll definitely be backing the sharks in this one. Okay, moving on to our next game, which will take place 7.35 on Saturday. Now, this game, from what I can see, is also happening up on the Gold Coast, so it looks as though the, the, uh, the shuffle has occurred because the Melbourne Storm have had to move from Melbourne up to the Gold Coast. So the game with the Raiders and Sharks being moved to 5.30 is to accommodate a, a double header of sorts with the Storm taking on the Knights at 7.35 at Seabus Super Stadium. Um, Graham, can I just add something there? Um, a lot of people were asking
3: about double headers and, and, and super rounds in, in New South Wales, because the things are different in Queensland, the way things have to be sanitized and whatnot, if it was to happen in New South Wales, it would need a three hour turnaround after the game. But, but of uh, uh, course Queensland slightly different. They can, they can accommodate this. So, if people are saying, why don't they just play one game at the at every ground, number one, the ground wouldn't survive. But secondly, it's got to do with the sanitization after these teams have come in. So I just wanted to chuck that in there because...
0: Uh, yeah, it's a good point because people yeah. have been asking about that one and we've been getting um, a fair few questions on social media and through the email. And Faye's been uh, up to her eyeballs in... Um, in uh fans getting in contact with the uh with the office about certain things and that was one of those ones so i'm glad you cleared that she's up got her own
3: sanitizer now
0: hey his own sanitizer what'd you yeah ding away, ding ding away, away.
3: sanitizer. You have <laughs> ding oh, away you seen it look out for it people it's out of it
0: i've been worried about the ding away i thought that that was going to do something else to me but anyway yeah, rub, your,
3: rub your hands with some ding
0: away there you go um Craig Bellamy, he's going to be coaching the Storm, and he's um, look. He's made a few decisions. That the word we were getting was that Pappenhausen and Harry Grant would probably be good to go, but uh, what Bellamy's done is he's just holding them off. What uh, we're hearing from the Storm is that those two players are very close, but um, they want to be uh, extra careful and ensure that the uh, the Storm have everyone on deck for the run to the final. So. Uh, As we know, that means that Nico Hines is going to be in the number one jersey. Brendan Smith is going to stay in at dummy half. Uh, They're going to monitor the progress of the Origin Stars. So we know Munster, Adokar, Finucane, Kafusi, and Welsh are all players that took part in that game. Um, Kamakamika's down on the interchange with Welsh to start. But we do know that when they played the Roosters, they did a bit of a switcheroo. So we don't know what's going to happen there, especially with Welsh backing up. So keep an eye on there. Uh, side as we get closer but either way they've got a really strong team. Uh, some big ins for the Knights with Tyson Frazel and Daniel Saifidi coming back so that's a big plus for them. Two Origin uh, calibre players who are unavailable due to injury for the Blues coming straight back into the into the side. So that's going to push Barnett to lock and Suasu Su out of the squad. Uh, we did know that last round uh, that the Knights played, that Caelan Ponga came back. He played Origin the other night. Uh, from what we're hearing, he's uh, he's pulled up all right, so we're expecting him to play as well. Uh, Shana, we've got the Melbourne Storm. This game, you know, you, you might even look at your team sheet there, depending on whether it's been updated or not. Um, it it did, did have this game down for Melbourne up until, you know, only hours ago. Uh, with this lockdown imminent in Melbourne and um, the storm playing out of Melbourne, looks like they're moving up to Queensland. They'll be playing this out of the Gold Coast. Do you see any impact for the Melbourne side having to you know, move up to, to Queensland? I mean, in effect, uh, a lot of clubs are doing it this week, but but for them, last minute, what impact do you think that has? None.
3: <laughs> they are a well-oiled machine.
0: Thank not give the Knights nice to... fans
3: something. Oh no! <laughs> sorry, sorry. Um, you know, I know you guys used to oil the uh, the, the chainmail and the and the guard used to wear. But no, no, no. They are a well-oiled machine. The Storm. They are outstanding. They're going to. They're just going to dominate. I... <clears throat> they are the favourites for the competition. Rightly so. You know, you've got a guy called Nico Hines, right? Nico, Kines, Nico Hines is the fullback. He would get a gig in most other sides. He's the second string guy. He's the guy that's the replacement.
0: Yeah. yeah. Origin. Origin. <laughs> what, he was on the Origin what, reserves. What
3: goes on there? You know, like, he's he's the replacement... And he is one of the best players in the NRL. Uh, you've got George Jennings, Remus Smith, Justin Olam You know these are. I'll even talk about Josh Carr These are guys when they play for when they play for other clubs or when they if they entered the Storm system. People are like, oh well, what are they going to do? They were brilliant. Munster, Hughes, Bromish, Smith, uh, Brandon Smith. Brilliant. Uh, Welch, Kafusi, Bromwich, Fanukan. Yeah. I. I look. I. I'm not saying that the Newcastle Knights side is horrible. The, no, no, no. They got Ponga. Um. I, I. I. thought Heimel Hunt was a linchpin for him last year. Clifford Pierce, uh, Sasiifiy of the Jacob kind. Uh, Jaden Brayley. To be fair, he's very solid. Uh, Daniel Sasiifiy. Uh, Frizzell, yeah, these are guys that are solid football players. They are not part of the Melbourne Storm package. That Melbourne Storm package, the Melbourne Storm system, just produces something. Um, can I say this about the Storm? You know I love stats. So I'm going to run into stats. The Storm, in regards to errors, one lower side. The Storm, in regards to tackle breaks, one of the highest they do not make a mistake and when they have the ball they find the means they find the gap that's it's not rocket science how many how many coaches have you had if you're a rugby league player that says hold the ball and run to the gap that's all bellamy's doing you hold the ball they're one of the lowest uh error side run to the gap they're one of the higher sides for tackle bus they're brilliant I, I i just think that i don't know what it is we talked about bottling it earlier they could because you know what there's a lot of people that are injured and a lot of people that are on the sidelines for the storm at the moment that would be walk up starts for the newcastle Knights team and that's why i've got the storm winning
0: yeah and we've talked about the storm now being the team to beat Um. Michael, you live in the in the city with you know where the where the storm are from. Um, I'd imagine a lot of the talk down there is dominated by the AFL, but it's great to get your insight tonight whilst we have you on board just to to help us understand within the city of Melbourne, give us a bit of an insight in regards to the the Melbourne storm you know do you hear much about them do they have a massive impact on the city? How how do people view the 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 rugby league team down there? Because they've got a bloody good one.
2: Yeah, where the home ground is, where Amy Park is, it's in the <clears throat> it's in the sports precinct of Melbourne. So you you are then walking distance to the MCG. You're walking distance to the Rod Laver Arena, um, and Amy Park is a really well designed stadium. It's got very low low rise seating, so no matter wherever you sit, you can get a really great view of the game. Um, look, Storm popular down here anybody that follows nrl in melbourne um goes to storm and rightfully so they're proud supporters the the fans that show up at the games um very passionate and i always liken it to people when i talk about the melbourne storm they're like if you're watching a sporting movie and the opposite uh, you know the 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 bad team in the sports movie how they're just a well-oiled machine that's the storm um one of the players. So they're like,
3: the Ivan Drago.
2: E- exactly right.
0: Yeah. We're waiting yeah. for the mighty ducks to beat up.
2: I, I was going to say they're like Mr. T, but <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> we'll go Rocky Four rather. I'm three. Fine, yeah. Mr. T, I three. Mr. like
3: Ivan Drago.
2: <laughs> for a Rocky reference, yeah, they're definitely the Ivan Drago. But you see it in the way that their defense is on point, their attack is on point. Every set play, they pretty much execute. Open. They are brilliant, yeah. aren't they? They they are. You know, you're watching games and you're you're praying for their team to make a mistake or a ball handling error. Doesn't really doesn't really exist in Storms game. And I think uh, it pains me to say it as a Panthers fan, but one of the most informed halves in the game that goes under the radar is Jerome Hughes. Yeah, yep. he he is Mr. Consistent. Great kicking yep. game, good ability of ball running. He makes yep. tackles, he scores tries, and if Munster's not playing, he totally runs the team. And can I
3: can I can I throw something there, Michael? To you. Um, we're talking about Jerome Hughes and Munster. They're not talked about yet. Cleary and Luai are. Mm. Do you think it's because Penrith for a long time were the you know, they're the up and down team, they're in the eight, they're out of the eight, they're they're the bottom three, and all of a sudden they've got them up to where Penrith are. Are is there a false sense of security in the Cleary Luai system, whereas the Munster system just seems to be ticking along, where mm. the
2: where the storm always are. Mm. I think uh, it's a it's a fair point, Shane, because you know based on the ladder, you can say the the better pairing is Munster and Hughes, They're leading. They got the most. The yeah. differentials insane. They're still ahead. I think their differentials plus two ninety, and Penrith is only about plus two ten or something. So, you know, there's that expression that forwards win the game and it's the, the halves that decide by how much,
1: you know. And
2: I haven't heard that in such a long
3: time. But, that's but a good it's, saying.
2: I, I think in terms of um, uh, Luai and Cleary, I definitely think they have the likability of them. Like Luai and you see the way that they approach the, the mm. Blues camp. Luai and Toho walking in with the boombox over their shoulder and they bring a bit of freshness to the game, I think. Um, but I don't know. I think Munster, in a lot of ways, is seen as a bit of a um, you know the the word grub gets floated around a lot, and I think they they just work so well uh, on the field that I don't know. It's not really paraded around as much as Luai and Cleary. I think Luai and Cleary yeah, are yeah. growing up together, they're, they're the combination that always gets talked about. Cameron Munster gets spoken about more than Jerome Hughes. But they're, yeah, a par- they're, yeah. a par- they're a partnership, and arguably I think Jerome Hughes has had a better year so far than Cameron Munster.
3: I agree. I fully agree. And I think that if um, if the if the Storm were 11th, 12th, 13th, maybe second, mm. you know, like, I think a lot would be more made of what they have done. But because the Storm was always up the top, it's just like mm. business as usual, Gray.
0: Yeah, and and the thing is too, Griffo, we, we we want to talk a bit about their opposition in the Newcastle Knights this week. We had a lot of praise for them after their last game with Ponger and Pierce coming back into the side, having that combination back through the spine. Um obviously they came up against different opposition in the Cowboys. But adding to that, uh, you know, Frizzell coming back into the team, they've they've still got quite a good forward pack that, that that'll be able to do some damage up front. Can you see can you see any strike in this night's team that might push
1: the Storm? You yeah, well, <clears throat> know, you got Cael Ponga there. There's some strike. Um, but I don't see them winning. Um, the Melbourne Storm is just a juggernaut and they're breaking all sorts of records. Uh, I think the first... Uh, they're all... Like, they've already broken the record, I think, for the number of games where you score over 40 points. Um, on paper, um, this Knights team don't look too bad. Um, particularly, as you say, Graham, the forwards look very strong, um, including the bench. If, if you've got... But the, i think there, there may be just a bradman best and maybe an edrick lee short of the best possible team they could field um with with some players coming back from injuries you mentioned be that as it may uh i don't think they're gonna break the storm's run the storm is <clears throat> the last time they lost was against penrith and that was quite early in the year um, I don't know. They might have about twelve or thirteen in a row. Um, I, I don't see the knights breaking that. I'm I'm, I'm going with the storm this week.
0: Yeah, you got to be pretty brave to uh, to tip against the storm this week. And um, are they are they contenders this week, Griffo, for your Joker and the Thief?
1: No, no. no I'm, I'm looking elsewhere. Although I. <coughs> Excuse me. I do apologise, listeners. I just, for the last few weeks, I can't stop coughing. Um, I do...
0: That's Sydney for you.
1: Yeah. Um, No, (laughs) during the day, I'm not coughing too much. It just seems to be come the night. But surely that's got to be south. Yeah, I'm going to go south. my, my,
0: my, My point I'm making is that it it gives Newcastle fans, you know, it's giving Newcastle some credit. The fact that you you're not looking at this one to be a total dust up, and I think a lot of fans will be confident. I might be wrong,
1: though, Graham. I might be wrong.
0: Look, I think a lot of a lot of fans are confident in tipping um, the storm in this one, but look, um, I think that the Newcastle fans they'll they'll just be looking for a good performance. They won't be expecting a win, but they'll be looking for a good performance.
3: I, I I'll go be honest with you, Graham. I think Newcastle will be solid. They won't win, but they'll be sold.
0: Yep. Now, so uh, Melbourne from all four of us on the tipping sheet. Okay, moving on to our next game here. We are moving on to Sunday, 1.50 p.m. This game is going to take place at Suncorp Stadium in Brisbane. We have the Warriors who, again, have to relocate. Um, they're going to be taking on the second-placed Panthers so in regards to team news for this one uh one thing i noted that was quite interesting on the bench uh well i should say the reserves is uh chad townsend and tohu harris uh in jerseys 21 and 22 respectively uh from what we're hearing from the warriors is they're they're going to keep an eye on them we know that they've both got shoulder injuries Um... please
1: play chad townsend (laughs) <laughs> as
0: a Panthers fan there. As a Panthers fan, Griffos Bring him on Hoping that Townsend Shoulder's good to go. Um, look, we don't know about that one. One thing we do know is that Curran and Aiken are good to go after they've been doing a bit of training in isolation after their fourteen day quarantine period. As we know, they were passengers on the Virgin Flight uh at the end of last month from the Gold Coast to Sydney, which had the cabin crew member test positive to COVID. So they've been able to rejoin their teammates on Monday. Um, yeah, so that that that's basically the team news for the Warriors, for the Panthers. Um, massive news for them. I think this is a huge in. Uh, fullback Dylan Edwards returning from a foot injury. So that pushes Staines to the wing, Naden to the centres. Uh, this week, we've got Burton named at 5'8, with Tyro May named at halfback. Um, To'o, Yo, Capewell, and Martin are the players who are expected to back up from Origin. Uh, the other players that uh, we need to keep an eye on is good news for um, Momorowski. He's been named on the reserves list, and we know that he's been out. With a hip injury. Griffo sounded fired up. He's ready to go. The Panthers are on this week. They're taking on the uh, the Warriors. Now I know Griffo you got a fair bit to talk about. In regards to uh, the Panthers. But the, the big news for them really. This week is the return of Dylan Edwards. Tell me about the impact that Dylan Edwards has on this team. Before
3: we begin great, I love the fact that we have the Dada brothers. I'm going to call these two the Dada brothers. <laughs> the Dada Brothers. uh it, it will. You know, a, a good Penrith fan would know what we're talking about. The Dada Brothers,
2: Michael and Michael. That's good, right. Good to see they're good in throw.
1: uniform. That's right. yeah. Um, yeah. Edwards is is an important part of this team. He's probably missed a third of the season at least through injuries. He's missed a lot of games for a variety of different injuries. Um, I think he brings some stability at the back there. We saw, we, we saw Charlie Staines play at fullback against Para, and it was a bit of an indifferent performance, uh, um, particularly under the high ball, uh, where he, you know, we. He had a bit of a tendency to let it bounce. Um, I'm concerned about this game. Um, Not because I think the Warriors are a a shining light to the NRL. Um, The two games where both um, Nathan Cleary and Jerome Luai didn't play... With uh, two games the Panthers lost um, against not strong opposition in the Tigers and the Sharks. Um, they, they did have some other guys out as well in those games, but um, we saw, we talked about the impact that Luai and Cleary uh, had on the New South Wales team and, and how that team didn't function without them. Um, Penrith without them looked really have looked really clunky and even with Jerome Luai playing against para they they weren't that same fluent um, attack inside. I'm gonna tip Penrith in a, in a close game um i am a little bit concerned about the game i'm i'm glad that that uh, they had the bye last week um but again without a number of guys missing due to origin they wouldn't have had the perfect preparation the uh the warriors have been untouched by state of origin um it's a team that has X-Factor players in there, the likes of Reece Walsh and Roger Tuvasa-Shek. Um, you look at the forward pack of the Warriors, and uh, there's it's a talented forward pack. Um, Fenua Blake's one of the best front rows in the game. Matt Lodge, he's actually had a reasonable year, even though the Broncos cut him. Um, it was to reduce uh, their salary cut play, uh, pressure. So instead, they're going to pay him some money to go and play for the Warriors. <coughs> um, Katoa, the second rower, at his best, is is a really damaging player. We know Bailey Sirin has got talent and showed that at the Rabbitohs. And Jaz Tavonga is a uh, is 100% uh, uh, gives 100% Decent bench. Again, it's it's very much forward heavy uh, with Corin a Afua and Evans. Um, if they get an injury in the back line, they've, they've got some problems. Um, I'm going to tip the Panthers. Their forward pack is the best forward pack they can put together. Uh, Leota, Corisal, Fisher-Harris... Who I think the week off would have done him good because he's he's he worked so hard every week. Kikau I thought got involved against Para, um, wasn't making like a lot of breaks and whatnot, but he was his defense was very strong and his involvement was high. Capewell again showed last night that he's a quality back rower, and uh, and you got Isaiah Yo who's going to be uh, again crucial to Penrith's chances. Um, yeah, I'm just, you know, my concern is around the number seven, uh, Tyrone May. He's got the job clearly showing faith in him. I just would like to see, I don't think Tyrone May is a number seven. I think he's, he's, uh, he's a number 14, um, but if, if you're going to say what's his best position, uh, I think he's a lock. Um, and he's not going to be lock in this team because you've got Isaiah yo there. Um, so I just... Uh, I am concerned about Penrith's attack. Uh, you've got two centers there who are both good attacking players. Um... I'm going to be looking to those guys to step up uh, and make some breaks, set up their outside men, Charlie Staines and Brian Toto. I I watched last night um, Brian Toto struggle to get onto that podium. He was really uh, limping quite noticeably I don't know if, uh, if it's time that maybe they gave him a rest, but uh, we, we have seen his knee strapped quite heavily for the last probably five or six weeks. Um, he is crucial to Penrith's uh, go forward. And if he was to be missing, and I, I, I've got no word to say that he is, I just was concerned the way I saw him Hobbling around after the game last night, um, that really is is going to be a big problem for Penrith. But even, you know, if he's if he is injured that and he's playing injured, he doesn't really show it. He he still keeps eating up those meters. Um, yeah, I, I'm going to tip the Panthers. I don't think they're going to win big. But the thing about the Warriors. That, that makes me sort of happy as a Penrith fan is the Warriors have sort of lost that ability to win games. They just keep finding a way to go down. I think they've only won five games all year. Um, and that's not good enough for a team that, that boasts the, the roster they have. Um, So it's Penrith, uh, Michael, are you you going to agree that we're going to win this game as well?
2: Yeah, absolutely, Griff. (coughs) I'm confident that the Panthers will, with the return of Capewell, Dylan Edwards, I think that'll give them the confidence to play physically. I think the Storm, you know, like you said, even though they haven't had that many Ws next to the name this year, they're a very, very physical team. And I think this one will definitely be the battle of the forwards. I think um, I agree with what you said about uh, Tyrone May. I think he's definitely a great, he's got great ball skills and he's a fantastic passer, but I see his role as coming in as number 14 as the utility. He did that last year and it worked so well, you know, just as another roaming player with his skills. It's, it's fantastic. But as a general playmaker, I just don't think he has the vision and the command to lead the players round, quite like Cleary and Luai. Um, yeah, shona what do you what do you think? I'm sure you'd have some thoughts on the Warriors and maybe the battle of the battle of the fullbacks on this one.
3: Yeah, look when you look at when you look at Penrith, they've just got to win games while their uh, key players are out, and and I think they're going to do it. The guy that I think is going to prove the difference, if he can, is Reese is Reese Walsh. Um he has added some sort of dynamic impetus to the Warriors side. In mm. saying that, when you look at Penrith and, and the and, and the players that are playing for Penrith at the moment, it's it's just like they're Mel- I, I I really I don't want to give Penrith I don't wanna you know like I want to say they're Melbourne-esque and that's not fair because they're Penrith, but They've, they've just developed this side who can just put players in and they do the job. And, and, it, and it's fantastic to see. Look, the guy I think we talk about, um, Reese Walsh at fullback, and I think he needs to be mentioned. I, I, I really do think that he can add something for the Warriors. The guy that's on the wing, Roger tuivasa is shit. like, if there any chance, he has to start doing some stuff. You're right. You're right, Mick. We started talking about Reece Walsh at fullback. When all this charade happened, they were swapping where Reece Walsh and Roger Tuivasa-Shek was in attack and in defence. Now, Reece Walsh is just a fullback, and, and, and it's Tuivasa-Shek's the winger. That I really don't think that was the way that the um, that the Warriors need to play. I love Penrith. And, and their side. I think Dylan Edwards back, Matt Burton, Tyrone. look, I you know, look, you could write a book on what we've talked about, Tyrone May in the last five weeks. Um I don't think he's, he's I don't think he's a halfback, but that's just my opinion. Um there are people who are far more experienced on better money than me, but I just don't think he's he's a halfback. What I want to concentrate on is this. Look at their forward pack, Penrith. Leota, Coruscant, Fisher-Harris, Kikau, Capewell, Yo. Wow! That's why they're going to win. What a forward pack. That's one of the best in the competition. That is brilliant. They're going to run right. It's just up to the backs to consolidate it. But I hear what you're saying. I really do think that if they can get the ball into that young fullback's hands, the Warriors, they're a sniff.
0: Yeah, right? yeah, and y- you make a good point too. And, and and just the sheer fact that this youngster is um is pushing Watini Zalesniak and uh two of us Shek to the wings. These are two players that we talked about earlier in the week in the special edition uh, as being on the top paid players list. I think they're both in the top forty. Uh, so it's a it's a hell of a uh feat for Reese Walsh. He's he's instrumental to this side. Graham, can I throw this that, to you? You're yeah.
3: you and, and look, you guys actually I'm not gonna throw it to Graham because Graham doesn't go to Penrith. Let's throw it to the Penrith fans. Reese Walsh Reese Walsh um is available for Penrith over Dylan Edwards. You gotta pick a fullback, Reese Walsh or Dylan Edwards. They can both play for your side. Who do you pick?
1: Well, long term, I'd go with Rhys Walsh.
3: Just goes to show how good Mm -hmm. he is. It it really does. I I think he's one of these. I know he's got a lot of back page news. and, and, And quite often, the next big thing can be thrown out there. I think he's got some serious talent bubbling underneath that surface. Correct me if I'm wrong, please do,
0: but I'm I, I really rated. Yeah, I, I think a lot of that gets answered on the field each week, and he is in great form, and he's a great mm. young talent. He's a superstar of the future. Another player who's got a lot of talent, just just to touch on Penrith. Shane, you mentioned their forward pack. I think it would be um, unfair for us not to talk about the contribution that James Fisher-Harris has had to this side. Um, I just wanted to, to give people an indication of some of the work this bloke gets through because he has recently uh, earned a new contract with the club that we briefly touched on earlier on the week in our special edition. But when you look at some of the key stats for a forward, he's towards the pointy end in everything. Uh, He's third in post-contact meters, uh, fifth for all runs and run meters. And one thing I think that shows his presence and the influence of just having his presence, even if he doesn't get the ball, is he's number one for decoy runs in the NRL. So the fact that Penrith are not only using him with the ball, but understanding that if he's an <clears throat> option and he's a player that's moving in the line, he's going to create a bit of uh, attention for the defence, it really shows his impact. And I think that's Graham, one of the reasons why their go forward is so good.
3: Graham, can I add to that? And please, um, Michael and Michael, uh, chime in here. He's third in post-contact metres. He could be first. The only difference is he takes the hard ones. Mm -hmm. He doesn't take the easy hit-ups and runs. He takes the ones where it gets thrown back to him, probably 10 metres behind the um, the play-the-ball, and he hits the line hard Mm -hmm. when they're struggling, and he keeps walking forward. Jeez, you know what? He doesn't take the ball when things are easy. He always takes the ball when things are tough. Mm. And all of a sudden, he just turns this negative into a positive for Penrith. I rate
0: that in a player. Do you know what's interesting? Do you know who's winning the post-contact meter stat by a mile? That's uh, Brian To'o. Yeah, and That's well, not surprising <laughs> when you look at his kick The, return, guys, so. the guy just hits a player and but, uh, another... 10-15. Yeah, James Fisher Harris him. is the top forward in that state. No,
3: I, 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 I look. I think Penrith, Penrith, Penrith have taken a leaf, and I. No disrespect to Penrithy, they've taken a leaf out of the Roosters' book. That was the Rooster. That was what the Roosters used to do. When a team would kick down to the Roosters, it wasn't about. It wasn't about um, what we. You know, it wasn't about who takes the ball up. If you take the ball up, you run and hit someone. And when you hit someone, you have to make another five meters at least. That's Penrith now.
0: Mm.
3: When we take the ball off a kick and the next three tackles, when you grab the ball, you not only hit the player that's hit the defending you, but you have to run at least another five meters. Their forwards have to do no work in getting back on side, so they're fresh to start making metres. It's so smart. It's not rocket science, and they're so good at it.
0: I think it's pretty confident to say, fellas, that uh, we're all keen on the Panthers yeah, in this one. Penrith, Penrith. but yep. you know, but uh, beware of the the Warriors when they're on. Um, yeah, they're a good side to watch. But uh, yeah, Penrith from all of us here today. <laughs> All right, so we have our next game happening on Sunday. Now, this is the second of three games happening on Sunday. Uh, this one will be at 4.05. The Brisbane Broncos are going to host the West Tigers at Suncorp Stadium. Uh, Shane, are they playing for a special cup, you reckon? Yeah, this will be the Portaloo Cup of the Week. Yep, so this could be poo in boots. We'll see Portlue how we game go. Game of the Week,
3: yes, it. It is, yes.
0: And despite having that moniker, um, the Broncos side, they do have some players coming back from origin, uh, some players backing up from the the big game. Payne Haas, Xavier Coates, and uh, Tom Fleckler. We can't forget that he played the other night. Uh, They've been named to back up, so we'll keep an eye on on the team sheet closer to Sunday to see what's going to happen there. Um, Look... With the with the Broncos side, just for those that are playing at home, I know that each week it's a bit of a uh, gamble, no pun intended, to see who's going to be their halves. It is Gamble and Croft this week. So, um, yeah, look, the Broncos, we know, um, haven't had the best of seasons. But, um, look, you know you're going pretty bad when you get dubbed the Muriel of the NRL. And why are they called Muriel, Griffo?
1: You're terrible, Muriel.
0: You're terrible, Muriel. Well, Moses and bye. Um, he's uh look, he's the big name really to pay the price for this uh this three week stretch where they've had a bajillion points put on them. Uh, he's in the in the squad. He's number seventeen this week, but um uh, no longer in that uh top side. So um yeah, he's now gone down to the interchange bench. Um, look. They've also got um, Simpkins on the interchange. I know that I'm not giving them a lot of credit here, but realistically, Griffo, we go through this Tigers team. I feel like sometimes they just shuffle the deck chairs on the Titanic, regardless of how they shuffle them. Uh, They're on a sinking ship. It hasn't been good. We can talk about all these players, but realistically, I think the pressure is, um, well, it's squarely on Michael Maguire's head at the moment.
1: Graham, uh, and not just Graham, but all. Um, I think Shano might have mentioned a few months ago, or it might be new Graham, that they were filming a documentary. Um, I don't know what they're calling it. Um, it's not Muriel's Wedding. Um, <laughs> no. The Muriel's no, that's funeral. No, perhaps that movie yes. has a happy ending. No, this no, one, no, right? yeah.
2: yeah.
1: Um. Yeah, it's coming out on, I think, next Monday. The first, I think it's a four-part series. Mm-hmm. And, um, I mean, they're awful. They're terrible. And and it's going to be there for all to see. Um, I'm wondering if they, you know, had wished that they did not sign up for that. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I guess uh, – I don't know. Why didn't they do it on a good side? They would have got <laughs> a lot more people watching it. Um, anyway, look, they go up to uh, play the Broncos. I was really impressed last time the Broncos went around. I think they beat the Sharks. They, they actually looked like a, a good football team that day. Yeah,
0: they were good that week.
1: They were. Um Now, there's been one or two other games where they've looked like a good football team, but they've not been able to back it up. Um, They beat the Roosters quite convincingly at the Sydney Cricket Ground. They took the Panthers right down to the wire earlier in the year. Um, And they've, you know, I think they've won four games now, um, which is twice as many as the Bulldogs. I've gotten winning here simply because I I can't tip. um, I can't tip Muriel. Um, They've actually won more games than the Broncos. Uh, They've won five games, but I think the Broncos will join them this week on the same number of points. There's just they're a team that, again, on paper, they don't look that bad. But they just, there's a lot of people underperforming in this side. And they've been perennial underperformers um, for the last decade. No team has gone as long um, as this team has, this club has, for missing out on a finals appearance. It's over 10 years, I think, uh, since they've been in the top eight. And that's a sad reflection on the club. Um, they're obviously not going to be in the top eight again this year. Um, I'm going Broncos.
0: Yeah, hard to hard to argue with that, isn't it, Michael? <coughs> you'd, you'd think that the um, the Tigers' woes are going to continue. That the, the, they seem to be getting flogged each week. The silver lining might be that it might not be as big a as margin this week.
2: Yeah, I think Brisbane are just trying to win at least a couple more before the end of the year. And I think that's all they're playing for. And up against the Tigers, that's all they need. <laughs> Tigers are just disappointing, you know. Even bringing in players like Jimmy the Jet, he hasn't really been... Yeah, he's been ground. That Jet's been grounded for a while. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah That's yeah, yeah. not going to change anything. Yeah, I think yeah. the, the toing and froing of Embi, of where to put him, it's just... Some weeks he's great, some weeks he's not. Luke Brooks tries. I think you can see he has been trying this year and there's flashes of brilliance, but the team are just terrible. Yeah. It's just not it's not working. I think eventually it does have the pendulum has to swing back to Madge Maguire. And you know, it all right, he's not out there on the field every week, but the players are and they keep, you know, some some weeks it's like they'll have a devastating loss and then play even worse the next week. So when that starts happening, it's uh, yeah warning bells. But yeah, I reckon Brisbane, Brisbane, this one for sure. Your
0: Brisbane trainer.
3: Yeah, it, it's strange because if I was to say who's the best player on the field for both sides, I'd call Adam Gauiti. Yep. And, and that's and that's the thing when you look at the, when you look at certain players on the field, you go well. Looking at the West Tigers. Um, they can have the goods, David Nofaluma. Um, You know, like I said, if someone had to say to me, of the two clubs, you have to pick a, you have to pick a player. Look, Corey Oates would be one I'd pick for the Broncos, most definitely. But Adam Duhe here this season has been very, very good.
0: That's why they're putting back at five eight, really, isn't That's it? That's
3: exactly why they're yeah. putting back at five eight. The problem is. They are Muriel. They're just not playing what they should be playing, and I think I think the culmination of this side, the Tiger side, is that they're playing Brisbane, and yet with 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 the way here at five eight, everyone's saying Brisbane's going to win. I think Brisbane's going to win. Um, I think. I think and the way he is the best player on the field this week, he's not going to be able to save him. I, I, I just think that now the Broncos have too much across the park. How interesting is it that two weeks ago, if I had said to you what's a worse side, Brisbane or the dogs, people were saying Brisbane. Mm. I, I, I think that this is the this is the sewage and the garbage that is around the bottom that we just can't, that's harder to pick than a broken nose. Put your house on it. I could not put my house on this game. I'm picking the Brisbane Broncos for no other reason of the location. And, and that's about it. Yeah. You I mean, know, when I flip a coin, I pick the home side, the home side, Brisbane yeah. um, really Muriel's been Muriel. Brisbane have been fluky at best. And when you're flicking a coin, I'm picking the home side, Gray.
0: Yep, I like Brisbane in this one. Um, I'm not going to say too much more. You guys have pretty much covered everything you can. The only thing I wanted to add is uh, that I think the addition of Tony, uh, Tony Staggs back into the team was evident for the Broncos. I think he's a... Definite plus for them, um, and uh, a lot of talent back into that side. This could go either way. You never know. The Brisbane Broncos could show up and be absolutely horrible and get done. But given what we've seen and the information that's presented, um, uh, you, you'd have to tip them.
3: Graham, can I just add to that? Um, they've got Xavier Williamson on the be- on an extended bench. I really hope that's not that's not for Payne Haas. He has to play this game.
0: Yeah, I've, if Payne Haas... Oh, I play, thought that, if, that was like, such though. a
3: bizarre selection, and the only one I could think of is that Payne Haas won't play after Origin. Jeez, he has to play.
0: Yep. Yep, so, uh well, let's look on those, though. Um, we're suggesting the Broncos for your tipping comp this week. <laughs> All right, now uh, we've moved to the final game of the week. Um, the end is almost upon us. We have the Rabbitohs taking on the Bulldogs, also at Seabus Super Stadium. Now, keep in mind, guys, because there's no Thursday night footy this week, that means there's another game that's been tacked on to the end of the round. This is uh, 6.15 Sunday, the Rabbitohs taking on the Bulldogs. Um, in regards to the team news, the... Uh, Yet again, we've got some origin players uh, that will need to uh, back up for the Rabbitohs. Latrell Mitchell, Cam Murray, Damian Cook and Dane Gagai. They're all expected to play. Um, really, the most notable player who is going to be missing for the Rabbitohs will be uh, Dry Arrow. So, other than that, very strong Rabbitohs lineup, as you could imagine, each week. of um, Fungi coming back from a one-game suspension for the Dogs. Fun guy's uh, back. Yep. So if you're looking for a bit of fun and you're you're looking for a fun guy, then uh see the a of fungi is the way to go. Um, the only other change to the team that played against the Roosters is Jackson swapping with a Tony. Look, um, on paper it's a mismatch, Michael, but uh, you know the the dogs showed some signs against the roosters, but these are the games you really expect. Uh, the rabbitos to, to really do away with the dogs, wouldn't you?
2: Right, it's a training run. It's a training <laughs> run for the rabbitos, really. And I know you're not advocates for betting on on this podcast, but <laughs>
1: the
2: bulldogs are paying ten dollars to win. I think that's that's all the all the sign you need. And rabbitos paying a dollar and five cents. So, uh, yeah, proofs in the pudding there. I think. Um, Training run for the Rabbitohs. What more can you say? Um, yeah. yeah, they'll be back in full, pretty much full strength. And uh, you know, I think it will be a good test for the Bulldogs if they could, if they could at least hold their own, like they did against the Roosters, and show a bit of gusto. But I just don't see that happening against the Rabbits. They're just too in form, and they're they got too much strike all across the park. Yep. so yeah, definitely mismatched.
0: Not too much you can say about this one, eh, Shane? Pretty much. um, Oh,
2: look, bro. Robito's win you'd expect. Um, We
0: expect
3: it. uh, You're right. Like, you know, and I just want to talk about a couple of things, you know, and I'm not going to add anything to Mick said because he was 100% correct. Uh, Alex Johnson, if he scores a double in this game, he will go amongst uh, all time great try scorers. He will leapfrog uh, some very illustrious uh, people. Can I just say something about Damien Cook? Because Damien Cook's been under the firing line. uh, In the last five years, he's he's led the uh, competition in run metres out of dummy half. He is leading them still by a country mile, apparently. So, look... I, I just look at all this. I just can't see like for like. You know, you guys know. Yeah, that you guys know. I if 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 we're looking at uh, uneven things, I'd go like for like. When I go across, there is in no way, shape, or form like for like in each position. Someone who is bettering their opposition. They are like. You know, when I look, the only one that really comes close for me is Josh, Josh Jackson and Jaden Sewer. Outside of that, everyone is just head and shoulders for South Sydney above the dogs. It, it's 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 going to be an absolute uh, bloodbath, I think. I think South Sydney coaching staff are very upset with their last hit out that they didn't put the throat uh, foot on the throat of their opposition. Wayne Bennett's basically saying, if you want to win the competition, you have to put a team to the sword. This just might be it. I. This is South Sydney by a country mile. Yeah, and, so, and
0: and Griffo, you mentioned before Cody Walker from the last couple of games and the uh, the form he's been in. Uh, just to just to you know reaffirm that he's well ahead. In the uh on the stats for try assists and line break assists, so it just shows how important he is, especially down that left edge for South.
1: Oh, he'll he'll tear this team apart. Um, I'm uh I'm just flicking through the Joker and the Thief papers, uh, boys. Um, I have the Shane O' sheet. I have the Graham sheet right in front of me. Um, what am I writing in there, boys? Uh, I've got an inkling of what it might be South Sydney. Okay. John Graham, writing it in now.
0: They're uh, the margin, mate.
1: Okay. Um, I've already written it on mine, I think. Yeah, I nice have. Me, and, uh, okay, so it's... Sydney. Uh, nice I think it's going to be one of those weeks where everyone... There was a week earlier in the year. I can't remember who it was, but everyone had the same. Might have been Panthers game. Um And anyone who uh, puts their tips in, I think this week will be putting in Rabbitohs. It's going to be. Uh, I think Shane used the word bloodbath. Um, it's going to be. Uh, it's going to be a point scoring uh, bloodbath. Yeah, I guess that's the right word. Um, it's a mismatch. Uh, these two teams. One of them is an elite attacking unit. Who at times can be questionable in defence, but that's only against the top sides. Um, the other team is is an embarrassment to the NRL as it stands. Um, we we uh, we heard at the start of the year, you know, new coach, a lot of new players coming in. Well, to this point in time, they're actually. Pre- performing worse last year they ended up 15th they lost the wooden spoon uh this year it will become again part of uh of the bulldogs club um these guys can't win uh well they've got to win at least two games and, and hope for four and against uh but that's not going to happen um i think we're going to see the broncos get a win so it'll be five wins that uh that the Bulldogs will have to muster some way. And one of them's not coming on Sunday. They're, they're going to get smashed. And that very poor for and against that they've already got is going to be made worse. I'll give them credit. I thought they did well last week against the Roosters. Um, the Roosters looked as though they were going to get the big win. They got off to a 10-0 start. and To the Bulldogs' credit, um, they actually hung in there. And they actually... Um, scored some tries. They probably scored more points than they normally do. I was very impressed with Lachlan Lewis, um, who, you know, pulled something out that we don't see from the Bulldogs. A bit of an element of surprise, a bit of chip and chase. Um, I, I thought he did really well last week. Um, the, the 8 and 10 for the Bulldogs, they're not the biggest guys wearing 8 and 10, but I, I like what they've been doing, particularly Luke Thompson, it's not going to be enough. Um, the Bulldogs just will not be able to control the, the Rabbitohs' backline, line. Um, and there'd be a lot of talk about the left side of the Rabbitohs being the most potent um, uh, attacking unit virtually in the whole NRL. We saw it both sides last week from the Rabbitohs, left and right. Um, and Cody Walker just... Tearing the Cowboys apart, I think it's going to be similar this week, <laughs> and uh, and I've I've locked in uh, I've locked in for my joker this week the Rabbitohs as well. Um, Michael, do you see any different, or is it just
2: more of, no, more of the same? More of the same, more of the same. Griff, <laughs> Rabbitohs by at least twenty.
0: Yeah, the, the I think most people, if you're in one of those tipping comps where you got a margin, it'll be South this week. Um, No surprises that, uh, we're all taking South Sydney and, um, yeah, I mean, I'd expect them to put a big score on the dogs. All right. So that'll just about do us this week. I think fellas, we've got, um, a big, big show there.
1: Uh, Very big show.
0: If you're, uh, (laughs) it's a big one for Michael. It's a marathon. If you're still with us as we're approaching the, uh, the three hour and 20 (laughs) mark, uh, you're an absolute uh, superstar. We've got some great fans, and uh, we really appreciate. This, this is you what guys. happens in lockdown. That's right. <laughs> we just sit there and talk footy. But uh, look, before we head off, I just want to say thank you to uh, to Mick for being a part of this week's episode. We're really looking forward to. Um, well, well, mostly we're looking forward to uh, more music from Australian <coughs> caller. Uh we might even get you back on at some stage because your analysis tonight was uh was spot on. We might uh we might be out of a job if you uh if you want to hit the airwaves in a podcast as opposed to uh to uh in the musical form. But we really appreciate you being on board today, mate. No Thank worries. you. Thanks for having me, boys.
1: Rock um, royalty has really has fun. uh has visited Carpool Rugby League.
0: Uh, that's right, he's the Aussie Rock Royalty. He's the next Michael Hutchins. We hope that he lasts a bit longer than him, though. His hair's just <laughs> as good, his footy tips are on point, and uh, yeah, we just appreciate everyone being on board. Hope you have a good week.
1: Bye bye. See ya. See you next See week. Thanks, listeners, all around the world. We love you.